welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 48. John, how are you doing tonight, John? Dude, this is going to be a great show tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. We were there. Yes, this was a fun one. How you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, still kind of recovering from uh, the the drive to California <laughs> and back and everything else this week. So, uh, but it was all definitely worth it because, yeah, as you said, we went to this show and the LA show, and both of them were great. So, I'll be I'll take not feeling at my hundred percent if I get to go to GCW. That's for sure. Oh man, yeah. So I got to Friday and I was like, okay, this is fun. This is fun, and then hung out until I think it started leaving around midnight. Once everything was said and done, everybody really dispersed. And uh, 2 o'clock, 2.30 rolls around. God, shit, I got to get to bed. <laughs> Finally get to bed. I ended up getting maybe four or five hours. I think I got five hours of sleep. Then we hit the four and a half hours out to L.A. Arrived in L.A., I think at like 4, 4.30. And uh, just enough time to maybe catch a little something to eat and, you know, hit the show. I think I got maybe four hours of sleep that night. So I think I did probably on that weekend about nine hours of sleep and then probably eight and a half to nine hours of driving. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So catching up on sleep is like that's why I'm exhausted because of uh, I didn't get too much sleep after Friday going into Saturday. And then after Saturday yeah. show, uh, in the hotel, I didn't get too much sleep either in a small aspect. Totally worth it, though. Yes. Totally I- worth it. Always worth it seeing GCW in LA, but that show will be uh, the next one we do. We are covering tonight VXS's collaboration with GCW for Jimmy Lloyd's All Grown Up from the FSW Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, yeah, uh, glad to have GCW back in Vegas, first of all. Um, mm mm-hmm. FSW Arena was a surprise choice, but I my son trains there, and I go to, we go there all the time for like local shows and stuff like that. So it did kind of feel mm-hmm. nice to watch GCW in a very uh, felt like home field advantage watching it there and get to enjoy the the show there. And every, there's not a bad seat there because obviously if you watch the show, uh, it doesn't hold too many people, and there's only like one row of seats around the ring, and then just a small little bleachers and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's very intimate. Yes, that's the a good way to put it. So if anybody was watching, we were on the right side of the screen. So you're going to see a big fat ass guy over there in a gray Coke shirt on the right side. That was me. <laughs> um, we had a really good time for it being such a small venue, too. I mean, it's not often we see GCW in these size venues anymore. So and I'll be honest, it really was mostly a VXS show. So I think this is why we saw ourselves there was, you know, VXS was coming back and trying to reestablish themselves in the industry. This was their first show back in quite a while, right? Yeah, I think since uh, four months, three months. Yeah, I think even maybe around August, uh, they ran that one. I think the last show they did was the the East Coast, West Coast show where they did the two shows in one one day, yes. but on two different sides of the country. I'm pretty sure that was the last one. I'm not 1,000% positive on that one. But it has been a no while. Kidding. That was balls out. That was seriously balls out for a broadcast to do a, a double broadcast like that, coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Did it like WrestleMania, like one of the first WrestleManias, they had like matches at two or three different spots? If, if yeah, they had three it. different spots. Three different um, I don't know which one's off the top of my head. I wouldn't want to try to, you know, spread any disinformation <laughs> out there. But uh, yeah, that that was really ambitious, and that was the last time that um, 
VXS had really put their feet forward on anything. So this was their welcome back show. So we wanted to make sure we got out there and um, really supported them as much as possible. Isaac's a really, really, really nice guy. And when it comes to people like that, we just really want to see him succeed. Yeah, and I'm glad that VX is back. I hope this means they're either going to work with GC. Like my original kind of hope was hope that since they're back with uh, VX is back, I was kind of hoping maybe they could start helping out the production a little bit during the shows because I, that's the one thing I've always really loved about VXS shows is the post-production that Isaac did and having like, as we'll talk about, like the nameplates up top, the timer. I uh, We didn't get it this night, but I like the gong and the fight instead of like a ring right, bell. Up. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and even that referee, uh, what's the name? Uh, uh, Shin, I think. Uh, the one referee is like they have is really, really good. And he always like he's very vocal, but his like facial reactions and the way he interacts with the wrestlers was always like top notch for me. And I always like paid attention to it. Not that it was like super good refereeing, but it was, but it was more like entertainment because I think he added some stuff to the matches, kind of like how Scarlett does with her facial reactions and the way she interacts with the wrestlers. Um, I forgot that ref- referee at the top of my head. I think it was Nick Shin, though. Uh, um, that's a pretty good oh. referee for VXS. But those are the things that I really loved about it. And I was kind of hoping they would start maybe incorporating some of that stuff into GCW's uh, production values, especially with the videos and stuff during the show, because I think that's where VXS excelled was that part, even though they had great matches and like kind of felt like GCW kind of like light a little bit. I always called it GCW. Yeah. Light. And I appreciate that. You know, if we don't see L.A. fights at some point, maybe we could see VXS take that spot. I, I believe they're based out of L.A., right? Um, Yeah, most of the shows they did were in L.A., and then I know they did a couple out in New Jersey as well. But for the most part, almost all their shows were uh, in the L.A. area. Yeah, so, I mean, you have them based out of L.A., maybe they get a good uh, a good rate on all of the performers. I'm not going to complain if there's another Southwest show with GCW performers on it. Yeah, and if they, as you said, if they kind of resurrect LA fights into VXS, I'd be all for it because there's so much great talent that's not on GCW all the time, but great independent talent on the West Coast where I think they could run some awesome shows as they were doing with LA fights. I just think they couldn't find like the right venue to get the right crowd and uh, probably for the right price as well because um, the, some of the turnouts weren't too good, but I think it was just based off of the venue and kind of the timing of the shows as well. So I think maybe if they kind of get those ducks in order, hopefully we could see a LA fights revival, as you said, maybe into VXS. I, I'd be in, I'd be all for that. My initial thoughts were that there was a lot of good talent on the LA fight shows. I think a lot of fans missed out on fairly good wrestling for sure. Um, so getting back to this real quick, I'm going to kind of paint a picture of the FSW arena because again, we were there. It primarily is a small venue, like you were saying. There's front row seats, enough for one row on each side. And then there's um, a a first row, a second row, and then there's bleachers. I would say in all, about 100. If they really packed them, maybe they could get 125. Does that sound about right for that venue? Yeah, I'd say 100. I was trying to even count uh, as we get later on when they were putting up the the barbed wire i was kind of doing a quick little count of the people i did see and stuff like that and i got to like up to 70 uh-huh. and i was still had about at least a, probably a third of the way to go still around the arena so I, I just at that point stopped and i was like ah that's close to 100 yeah yeah well so i'm not uh gonna go any further without saying that we had an electric night when it came to 
talking to listeners, talking to people we're used to seeing all the time, talking to local fans. I mean, talking to talent. We talked to Brett. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, highlight for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll just go ahead. Um, we both had a chance to say hi, introduce ourselves, and talk to Brett. Brett was very kind about what we do. He told us to just keep on going. He really appreciated what we do. He told us thank you quite a few times. And um, but was there anything outside of that? Because we, we spoke in Las Vegas. We spoke in L.A. So it was... I'm just paraphrasing without going into anything else. I'm not trying to add anything. It's just that's kind of, oh, hello. Nice to be, you know, what's going on? Ha ha ha. You know, we talk and that's that. And so I just wanted to make sure kind of people knew that we were given a very nice review and everything's kind of green lighted on us just to continue doing our thing. And we always wonder, you know, we're we're out there and we're talking and we want to make sure everybody's happy. And we found out everybody's very happy found out from Emil, found out from brett found out for a ton of the performers we were thanked by people there were people that um have wanted to now line up interviews so we have a lot of really good things ahead so this show was better than a birthday party almost because <laughs> it was just so fantastic to meet some of these people i don't know when to mention all this stuff so i'm like i'll just pop it right now you know um Commander was fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Los Macisos, they're like a goal. And they were both really fantastic. Um, Ares was fantastic. Met him for just a short amount of time. I'm going to kind of use this for a minute to say we really need to do like appreciate the Lucha wrestlers. They really are working hard to be here because they're working with English as a second language. Many of them not doing the best at it. When we went to um, the LA show, I was speaking to Toxine through a translator, which I thought was absolutely fantastic because we were able to talk and clearly understand each other a lot better. But um, yeah, we found out a lot of the people there are listeners at our at our show, and that was really satisfying, like really exciting, really fun. Um, I didn't sleep that much that night, like I said, but um, I was so happy, so happy to hear so many good things. Yeah, what Brett kind of the one thing Brett said to us that kind of like stuck in my mind, like you said, we didn't have no deep conversation with him. It was just a because they were still getting ready for the show. And I think this was we talked to him right before the show a little bit. And that's what he said, kind of like, hey, thanks for the support. Like uh, we said, thank you for the support on their podcast when they kind of gave us a shout out. And then we were thinking Brett and he kind of goes, no, like, thank you guys for the support. Like you guys help support us and we support you guys. Like we're all supporting each other to help, uh, as he said, independent wrestling grow. He didn't even say GCW, but we're all here to help yeah, independent yeah. wrestling grow. So um, it was, that was kind of like you said, the highlight. And then, yeah, also seeing Los Macisos and um, seeing like kind of like the smile on their face once uh, Biedo got it translated by Ciclope is like, oh, like these are podcast guys. Like it said something yeah. like from Monday. I think he said like we listened to Monday or something like that. I was in Spanish. I didn't kind of quickly catch it, but it was like Beato's like eyes got wide. It's like, oh, those guys. Hey, how's it going? Yep, and thank yep. you and stuff. So yeah, yeah we've spoken fun. back and forth on Twitter because they've thanked us a ton of times for supporting them, talking about them, saying nice things. I, I still can't find one negative thing if I could to say about any of them yeah at all <laughs> it was as you said i think it was a very social show especially for me like usually we just go to the show I, like i'll get the merch and say hi the wrestlers and i don't really go out and talk and stuff like that and uh so this was more of a social 
more of a social event than I'm used to, and uh, it was fun. It, it, it was it made it way more fun and more memorable in my mind too, because obviously mm-hmm. afterwards being able to talk with Jordan, Nick, and Rob Shit, and all those guys after the Vegas show, and even in LA we did a lot more hanging out too. Where I'm usually like, as soon as that show ends, like I'm exhausted. Let's get in the car and go right, home so right. I can go to bed. Like it was very nice uh, being able to finally sit, not sit down, but st- stand there and talk to them for a couple minutes instead of just a normal hi, thank you for everything, and bye. It was kind of nice. Uh, kind of carrying a conversation with them so i very much enjoyed that one and it was more memorable for me being able to do that kind of stuff yeah um wow yeah intimate same thing your wife brought cookies yeah we were just (laughs) laid back having a good time and um yeah i made cotton candy i brought a little cotton candy for the guys in the back we just had a great time overall so you could even see it a little bit if um all of you who are listening have watched the show you can see even from the beginning with jordan everything was just a little more laid back than usual he's having fun with commander in the beginning of this so we'll, we'll get to that one here shortly but yeah it was it's like a bunch of friends just showed up and had some fun there was not that tight uh i don't know like that tv tightness that goes on it felt like it was just a little looser and we could all laugh and have fun and there was plenty of that yes and um those cookies that my son made the cookies and I'll talk about it a little later on because oh. it's a funny spot later on during the show where uh, we weren't able to give Jordan the cookies right away or at the beginning of the show we waited till at the end but uh, so we had to hold on to a big ass bag of cookies and later on it kind of gets in the way of uh, some of the action <laughs> during one of the oh. spots or the matches so uh, it was fun though as you said like it felt as you said more relaxed and it, it kind of felt like a birthday party. It's Jimmy Lloyd's birthday party with wrestling going on in the meantime yeah, to entertain yeah. us. and But still people are able standing up, talking, and very, very fun show for Jimmy Lloyd's all grown up for his, what, 25th birthday. Right. So shall we head into the action with match number one? You know what? Or do you have any Yeah, more? The, only thing, the only thing I'll say really is that, yeah, small crowds um, – it really kind of took a little bit for us to warm up maybe in a couple of minutes, but that's kind of how small, small crowds are. Nobody wants to be that loud asshole first right away. <laughs> we were the loud assholes first. So, you know, somebody had to get it going. It might as well be us. We were those people this time, but um, we do that for the, for the performers. And then also for us, we're just trying to blow off some steam, man. It was the weekend. I, I even told my wife yesterday that when I went back and rewatched this the other night, um, Every time I'm on the camera, I just got this happy, shitty grin on my face. Like, there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be than there. I'm just, like, recording yeah. everything. Giant smile. Doesn't matter what's going on. I had a smile on my face even when the action's literally in my lap. So, uh, I absolutely <laughs> enjoyed everything about this night and the whole weekend as well. So, our first matchup of the evening, as we said, it was the tag team match of the East-West Express. Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne going against, and I really like this uh, team name, Strange by Command, which is Arez and Commander. Mix of uh, Strange Style with Arez and Commander. I definitely like that. And... um, As we were talking about the production value right away, we see up top the... The timer, the team names, that's when I saw Strange by Command because obviously when we watched it live, I think I did hear Emil announce it, but I wasn't like, didn't fully pay attention. Yeah, I didn't catch it either until I saw it at home and I was like, that is awesome. And I like how they kind of just kind of made that name up on the fly and stuff. And um, the production, yeah, right away, I was like, this is going to be a fun one. Watching, this is all watching too at home. Like I was super excited to see the the timer and seeing the video play and stuff like that before before the show started and yeah this was vx this this first match definitely had vxs all over at the beginning and 
that made me smile because we've missed VXS for a while. Yeah, this was this was a fantastic match, and I liked. Um, I actually love the timer. I'll tell you why. I keep a timer going on my phone when I watch these matches. So that's why sometimes you'll hear me say four minutes in, six minutes in. Partially, it's because I'm just trying to tell a story and tell it in the you know the proper fashion. But that was the I first thing I thought that. of. Was you have you must be happy with that timer because you didn't have to sit oh. there and take the time. <laughs> Literally, that was my first no thought. Idea. I was like, that's cool. But I also like the timer too because it's like, how long is this? Oh shit, it's been 12 minutes already. Like this one, I didn't think it was that long in person. It didn't feel like it went that long, but it went 13 minutes. But watching this, I was like, oh shit, we're in the 12 minute match and or 12 minute part of this match. And I didn't feel like it was 12 minutes long. Right. So the reason why I like that timer up top also is because it feels like um it feels like a sporting event yeah. it has that sporting event feel like there's a timer for a reason and it adds just a touch of stress and drama to the whole thing i don't know why but the other thing i like is if you can get a match that's hit the 15 16 20 minute mark there's such a level of importance that seems to ratchet up as those minutes seem to keep going up so it almost kind of helps you um Gosh, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it, but I just appreciate the match more for some reason when that timer's up there. It, it's it has to be from football or something like it's psychological. I don't know, man. Well, for me, like I said, it's just like, oh, this is a crazy match. And oh, OK, it's only been six minutes. Like all this shit just right. happened in six minutes or, oh, we're pushing almost 20 minutes here. Like they're telling a good story and like the time's flown by and I haven't even noticed it until you look at the timer. I think the timer, as you said, adds a lot to uh, the fans at home watching it and it can add a, right. some drama to it as well. I think more timers should be out there. I don't know why, but I think it's really fun. I think timed matches are really fun. If you have that counting down. Um, yeah, I think more of that should be added. So I'm a little shitty that they took it away from me after match one. So um, bring it back next VXS show, please. If you can bring back that timer, I really like it a lot. Obviously you do too, dude, right? Yeah. I, I had that in my notes. I love like just the timer there. Um, and seeing the name uh, strange by command. Cause like they always go to the name plates when it said like doctor and then shit. When uh, the doctor redacted, when it gets wrong <laughs> shit last time they were in Vegas, I just love seeing like, you just see the word doctor and shit. Well, what had me laughing too was that I had, I failed to mention, I had as many as I could sign this uh this flag back here behind me and i did post quite a few pictures online um the one thing that's most prominent on my flag up top all the way the word shit <laughs> <laughs> that son of a bitch wrote the word shit in nice big letters on the top of my flag so thanks a lot rob shit it's uh <laughs> let me tell you where it's at here it's on the g and long the lights covering it but it's a nice big shit right on my flag oh my goodness <laughs> so um all right so i'll go ahead and kind of get it kicking off here because we we actually could talk quite a bit it's just we were so damn happy it was a fantastic live show like like all gcw you know it's it's all good baby so here we go our match starts by Jordan showing off his moves to Commander in the ring. It was a lot of like getting up on the rope. He did a cartwheel. This was that fun that I was talking about, the looseness in the match that was going on. So then Commander jumps on the ropes. He does his thing. Jordan was impressed, shakes his hand. Everything's kind of fun. So we go into the first minute and a half, probably. That whole entire period was just a show-off series of moves between both men. 
They're showing respect, but it was just exciting. East-West pulls out the tag team combos early, halfway through the match, and East-West was in control about 65% of the time. I wanted to mention that when you're in a small venue, these chops are so loud, and they were just cracking throughout the place. You heard them. And I, I even wrote in one of my notes because I didn't see it live, but watching it back on on screen when Jordan and Nick had, I forgot one of the competitors on the rope, Nick was doing a chop and like he chops the wrestler and then on the follow through, he accidentally backhanded Jordan and Jordan kind of like grabbed his head and looked at him like, what the fuck, man? And like, even they made a comment about it on uh, commentary, which like I said, I didn't notice it live. So this, that just goes back to how you said how relaxed everybody was, especially Jordan's match doing cartwheels to kind of try to impress uh commander there was pretty funny too. Well, so I I think we were talking about this a little bit, but Commander was finally calling out his moves on Twitter. So somebody would post, you know, a video. What in the hell is this? And then you would see Commander come back with, well, this is called this one. This is called that one. So I'm trying to find a video and I can't really find it off the top of my head. But what he did was he had basically two two moves that he was showing on a video and he was trying to find names for him. Now, one of them, I know for sure he named the spaceman. Did you see that? Yeah. Okay. And I, I thought that was cool because I didn't know like he had names for it and stuff like that until I saw you retweeted it. Yeah. So I'm really thinking then that um, that would be a good name would be the spaceman. Uh, the spaceman. He also wanted to call it something else. So I told him maybe call it reach for the skies. But that was just something that kind of, you know, reach for the sky. The other thing was he does one where he runs the ropes and then jumps backwards like a Phoenix splash. I told him to just call it the commander splash. Like, why not? Right. And so I told him that's because like splash is an artillery term. And generally you would hear that right before usually the five seconds before impact. So, hmm. yeah. So the commander splash, yes and no kind of works. But yeah, he was naming out his moves. And I'll, tonight I'll call that uh, Mr. Commander. He hit a beautiful rope walk shooting star press, we'll say. So <laughs> not, the, not the commander bomb, not the nothing. So the, um, the second half of the match, though, went to Ares and Commander. They were obviously the veterans here, and it's shown they took over. Commander with a beautiful top rope Phoenix splash. Again, the commander splash. There it is. It's in my notes. There it was. See, now I sound like an <laughs> ass repeating myself. I feel terrible. But there was a lot of flips. There was a lot of action going on in this match. It was fast paced. And I think, of course, that's why they picked this as the opening match. It was just entertaining. Yeah, I, I wrote in my notes, great first match, especially to start off this kind of show. The tag team action was back and forth, and I loved the innovative movesets that Erez and Commander did together. I want to see the Strange by Command as a tag team because they were fun to watch, and they, they definitely did a great job against East-West Express uh, utilizing their own strengths during this match against them. And so our winner in this match was the East-West Express with double clout cutters on Commander. I would say it's really an even matchup between the two teams. Both are leaving the ring with heavy applause here. So... Um, one thing I wanted to mention, and it's, it, trust me, I've been around, it's had time to get fixed. I'm going to say it because it was all over live. It was all over TV, the squeaking in the ring. I don't know if it's underneath. I don't know if it was the ropes. It was a lot. It was annoying. It's not VXS's fault. It's not GCW's fault. It, it's been there. It made it almost sound like a basketball game with all the squeaks. Um, I 
just that's all I'm going to say about it is, is if you hear squeaking, that's the ring. And it was not VXS's or GCW's fault. It was just something that was going on with the ring. I figured I'd mention that real quick if anybody thought their audio was a little funky. And I was kind of scared, too, because I know we talked about this early on and when we started this podcast, how I've seen the like when I was training wrestling and I seen the rope break one time or the ring break one time. And one time when my son was wrestling for the kids class, I saw the ring break another time. And we were sitting right on the side where at that peak, the bottom still cable that goes around the whole ring to kind of uh-huh. keep it all compact and from moving that's where <laughs> where the steel cable broke the second time during my son's wrestling class so like as you said i heard the squeaking too i looked right down low i'm like how's that cable looking looking pretty good now but uh-huh. i don't know how it's gonna get later on with all the craziness especially with like this would be the first match and already hearing that noise um it was it did bring back a quick little flashback to me so i kind of was keeping an eye <laughs> on that for like the rest of the night i'm like looking down like okay it looks pretty solid and stable I, I enjoyed this match. I honestly really want to see Arez and Commander work together more as a tag team. Even though I like really mm-hmm. have been enjoying what Arez is doing as a single competitor, I think both of their styles though were, was pretty awesome. Watching them kind of do those crazy moves against uh, the East West Express. The so one thing I don't, I mean, I this is my original thought when I first saw. It, I don't like, but then as uh, I was actually driving home from California, I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know what? He's doing it for a reason. Is this night and the next night in L.A., I, we've seen Commander, before the match even starts, just walk across the rope and kind of do the show yeah. off and then jump off. I'm like, why waste that? Like, I didn't – at first when I was thinking, like, why are you wasting, like, that energy and, like, showing them what you're going to do? Even though we've talked about how he does many bo- different moves off of the top rope when he's walking across it. But I said like how he kind of gave away, like, the goods for right away at the beginning of the match. But then I was thinking about him, like – that's an intimidation factor. Imagine just going in and you see someone doing that shit right away. And you're like, okay, that's what I'm getting myself into. Let's stay away from the ropes. And now it changes the whole game plan and everything like that. So I can see it being used to intimidate uh, commander's opponents. And he's using that to kind of show off and get in the opponent's mindset before a match. Yeah, it's strategic. He's a commander. He understands <laughs> taking the high ground, you know? Um, I would like to see him use that against a bigger guy, somebody who'd be like a, a giant quote unquote, you know, he's staring at him and he goes, wait a minute, gets up on there on that top rope and just kind of stares at him and looks down at him. I think I'll, it'd be really good. I want to see him do that against Tony Deppin again. And then like right away, Tony Deppin just knocks him off right before to start the match off. Oh, <laughs> um, I like Ares and uh, commander as a team. I think that they really complement each other. Well, Oh, um, RS is more ground based. He has a very unique style that keeps people interested in how he's moving and what he's doing. Then you have Commander on the second level, high flyer. He's doing his whole thing. If you're not interested in how one man does his thing, you'll definitely be interested in the other. But I watched them close up there, and so did you. They communicated well together, and they look really good together. I felt that Arez was his moves were perfect setups. Uh, yes. So Commander doing his, as you said, his second level flippy shit off the rope. Like I think it was good set, like perfect timing for Arez and perfect moves that he did to set up what was going to happen next by Commander. And I thought that's why I think they gelled together in a team. They had a very good chemistry, and I don't know how often they've ever teamed against each other. We've seen them go against each other in, uh, um, was it the Jacob? But they went against each other. No, no. Did they go against each other? I forgot, man. There's so much wrestling already. 
I think they did. Yeah, they did go against each other. Jacob, that's like, oh, I can't wait to see them team up against each other. But I think for chemistry, they showed a very good, uh, uh, God, they had good chemistry. God, I don't know what I'm saying. They had good chemistry. <laughs> right? Yeah, they, they showed good chemistry to have good chemistry. But it was fun. Was too. Right? <laughs> but as you said, the East West Express does pick up the victory. And I thought this was a great way to start off tonight. And I was already super excited. In person, I, I was that was the one of the matches I was obviously looking forward to the most. And that was a great tone setter for the rest of the night. And I'm really feeling fortunate that you and I both got to see um, Nick Wayne again. I had a chance to ask him. He said we have probably about five months and um, he's going to be off at AEW. So GCW fans, this is really important. Get out there. You have five months and then he's going to be gone. I had the kid. I asked the kid. He counted himself. I mean that when it comes to merch that has GCW's name on it with Nick Wayne, when it comes to anything you can. You may want to get it because they'll probably be collector's items one day and you're going to want to hold on to it, if anything, for your kids so that they could have it one day. A lot of wrestling fans are collectors anyway. I'm yeah. just saying this is going to be one of those ones where, you know, you're going to be able to pull some old AWA cards when Hogan was not Hogan yet. Things like that is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, that's great. I didn't know that he was leaving in five months. That's kind of uh, puts a little time on what possibly is in the future for the East West Express as a tag team and possibly going after the tag titles. I wonder if they're going to get another shot at it or not before uh, Nick Wayne leaves. I would like to see a small run. I would love to see a small run at the collective. Yes. Oh God. Oh, you know what though? The, I love those Macisos. I love you guys, bro. But I think the crowd would just go fucking nuts. Like spring break, maybe do it at spring break. Be fantastic. And I, we see now though we've talked about how uh, AEW Tony Khan not really wanting to keep his wrestlers that are especially contracted working with GCW. I during the collective weekend, uh, they, he has Eddie Kingston over here working with DDT and Jun Akiyama, um, and I believe there's like two more um, AEW contracted wrestlers still going to be working with GCW at the collective. So. Maybe we should, yeah. Uh, maybe we should count out Nick Wayne possibly still working the indies and traveling with GCW when even when he first does start uh, working with AEW because I don't see how often they're going to be using him to um, with the travel and on the card and are is he going to be working Ring yeah. of Honor? Like, yeah. there's still a lot of question marks about Nick Wayne. So, uh, what how he's going to be used? So, I. Don't think we should actually count it out too much because maybe Tony Khan's kind of softening up on his anti-GCW uh, edict. But then I remember like Brett, I think, made a comment when the whole Mox thing was going down. He's like, you guys, is like, I haven't been told that. We were told during this match of certain things to do and not to do, but we haven't been told that like, we can't work with Moxie. They, Moxie just said like right. he's not going to be working with us for a while because he's got big plans going on in AEW. They don't want to ruin it, so... Uh, hopefully we and get those, to see that was a, that was a title yeah i mean so it was it was a really good reason um i can't forget to t to mention also that he was over in wrestling revolver just recently too so he is surfing the independent scene still yeah and i think we it's not seen him i think as long as they're staying away from all the fuckery and the light tube and stuff like that tony khan will probably still be pretty open of letting their competitors still do their thing on the indies just maybe not as dangerous as uh what he was letting on there for the longest time. 
And that will lead us into our second matchup of the evening as Cole Radrick goes against Dante Leon. And I was really looking forward to this match just based off of their con- uh contrast of moveset and styles i think they both have completely different moves in the style of wrestling that i was looking forward to see how they would kind of mesh well and interact with each other during this match and we got to see a lot of cool looking spots and stuff that i've never seen either competitor do so i thought this was a fantastic match for match number two so what i was noticing was um nobody was still cheering as much as they should so we started going with heavy ratty daddy chants that was us. You could hear it. He was, we had a devoted section to him. He's one of the ones that he's always just been kind to me. So I've always liked watching him and um, we try to reciprocate with each other as much as possible. We yell for him and he's happy to hear it. So um, one spot for sure. I wanted to mention Dante hits a nice middle rope shooting star press. It's really nice to see Dante back. He was over in Noah killing it for a while in Japan. Um, I haven't had a chance to see anything that he really did over there, but I'm hearing that it was absolutely fantastic. Do you do you know or did you hear or you kind of follow a little bit of Japanese wrestling? Yeah, right? I, I've seen him stuff out there and he's actually fit in like real good. He just his style when and some of these other wrestlers in Noah, like with not only just Ninja Mac, but some of the other ones, they, he fit right in. And like the creativity was something that you could see that the um, the fans of Japan were like really stunned to see him and Ninja Mac of some of their moves, especially Ninja Mac too, with all his 630s and outside the ring topes and stuff like that. They like were really like awestruck to see wrestlers being able to do that because the Japanese wrestlers in Noah don't, really focus on that kind of high flying stuff. They're still kind of the strong style out there with a little bit more flair, but not high flying. <laughs> um, like yeah, how Dante yeah. Leon and Ninja Mac are. So Dante has been doing really good out there and has had a couple of good matches. I've seen most of the matches I have seen him with though, have been with Ninja Mac. So a couple more little notes that I'm going to kind of mention here in nice spots. There was a spot where Cole ran around the ring and did the old uh, eye poke. And also there was a spot where Dante hit a killer triangle style Romaine pain. And um, yeah, it's just Cole was in control for most of this match. And I just um, I feel like this was almost like a 90 style independent match. It was a little more boots on the ground than the average 90s match goes now. But when they went into the air, it was it all looked good. There was some innovative ground moves and um, I just I was happy I got to see him do their thing live and I was happy to see um, the progression in Dante because I say it all the time. No one comes back from Japan as a worse wrestler. They always go over there and learn something or polish up something. And I love when that happens. But yeah, Cole catches Dante's attempt at the ace crusher. And that's where we go into our finish. Our winner with Cole Radrick. He hits the little Sebastian's curse. Oh, what's your thoughts on that one, man? The one thing I noticed with Dante during this match was the confidence. Like there's a couple spots where Cole Radrick went to go do a move on Dante and he kind of blocked it and he just stood there staring at Cole and staring at the crowd and the camera. It's like, really? You're going to try this on me? Like, do you not know what I've been doing for the last couple months outside right, of GCW right. kind of stuff? And I really enjoyed um his confidence because then he did like I, I think that was what you were calling the low main pain i don't remember the name of it but he kind of did the straddle on the ropes to the outside and then jumped back in and did his uh 
uh, yeah. shooting star cutter that he, that he seems to uh, always uh, hit. Puberty. <laughs> and I just love oh. whenever he does that move because I think that's one of the most exciting moves in uh, when I ever I see him perform. I get so excited because it's it's innovative. It's not the normal way you go for a cutter. It's like a shooting star clout cutter, and uh, he always nails it. And he always makes it look so good. And I think the colorful ha- colorful hair helps him out uh, too to make it look a little bit better. Yeah, and that's another one where after the show, he was just so damn kind. He just sat there, relaxed, talked to you. I had a good conversation with him. Same thing. He's up there with all the rest on the flag. Very nice. Tried to give him money. He's like, nah, man, no need for that. Loved it. Yeah. He seems like I didn't Seven talk stole to my wife's fucking pen. Ah. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's Sabu, so there isn't anything more ECW than getting your pen accidentally stolen. He needs something. I mean, accidentally for sure, because... Well, you know what I mean? Dude's doing his thing. It's it's really easy to say, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. You know, but uh, yeah, she comes back. She's kind of doing like the fake frown thing. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, Sabu stole my marker. <laughs> <laughs> that rotten bastard. I love him. I'm surprised they didn't make more of a mention on Sabu uh, during the show. I thought other than just him coming out and doing like the meet and greet with the fans, I thought he would kind of have a little spot during the show that we didn't really get to see. I'm, I'm not even gonna I don't know man I'd always like to see it I also don't know you know how he's doing because he's um you know he's got the hip thing and whatnot so and I don't know if he like lives know. here in I don't Vegas. know if that's even public or not but yeah I don't know if he lives here in Vegas or was he just in yeah. town and they oh okay so I was saying did they find him and get like tell him to come out here that's pretty cool I didn't know I don't that. even know if that's public or not either it is now <laughs> to think of it. It is. <laughs> oops oh well I'll just keep it in it's fine yeah we'll just get keep on doing uh Mike Jackson's phone number and now uh, Sabu's address next. Hey, honestly, it was so nice to talk to him. I really hope that some people did call and at least give some nice messages or buy some merch because um, it's just like speedball Mike Bailey. You talk to him one time and you go, God, that's a really nice guy. And um, that's just that's just who he is. So, man, our third match was interesting. I I know we're getting ready to get into it, but... um, they brought out a 12 pack of Coors Light and a big old thing of Jägermeister. So this wasn't our, um, oh man, it was Trey Miguel and I forget who it was last time. They did kind of like oh. a smoking match. Well, this one here was an oh. intoxication match. So the rules for this were that if you got a two count and failed to um, pin the opponent, you had to drink. Now you could choose between a can of Coors Light or a shot of Jaeger, but half the time the crowd was pretty much dictating what they were going to drink. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say it ahead of time just for fun, because I hope it adds to the story. I went over to shit and I'm like, come on, give, come on, man, that that's fucking water, right? Like it's tea or something, right? Come on. Like it's syrupy. It could have been, you know, whatever he goes, nah, man, hands it over to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was Jaeger. <laughs> it was Jaeger. Yeah, later on yeah, in the so, night when I was walking around, I was, uh, just said hi to, uh, I, I didn't say hi to Kay. I was like, he was kind of in the way. So I was like, hey, excuse me. And they're like, hey, good job out there. And like, he said, oh, thank you. And like, when he said, thank you, I smelled the Jaeger like, out of his mouth, oh, it was, out of his breath. Oh, was I was real. like, holy cow. <laughs> and that just, as you said, that reminded me of like the that smoking match. I think it was Kenny King and Trey Miguel, that wrestling Kenny revolver. Kenny King, match. that's who it was. Yeah, that was a fun one because I enjoyed all the different spots that they did. And then 
that he had to take a hit every time. And then I forgot how they even got to it, but they made the referee during that match. Uh, yeah. Take, take a couple hits off of the, off the pen as well. And then you see, see the ref like wasted outside. And now after seeing that, and now uh, going into this match and I saw that Scarlet, uh, Scarlett Donovan was one of the referees. I'm like, I wonder if she's going to take a couple drinks and pass out somewhere in the ring during this match. So the um, at the start of this match, it was funny to hear Rob asking everyone in the crowd not to record because he just got out of prison. And of course, Kid Osborne. Did we even announce this match? I must say, I don't think so. Uh, it's uh, okay. the intoxication match with Rob shit and Kit Osborne. Yeah. All right. So we got a 10 minute match here. And um, yeah, Kit basically said he wants everyone to record because he wants to get old shit in trouble. But uh, yeah, right off the gate, Kit was heel. He um, he failed to get the two count first. So Kit was the first one to drink and Jaeger was his poison. At one point, they were on the outside of the ring and Kit was being held by fans, which was literally right beside. That's, you. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> While Rob slapped the shit out of him. The fans absolutely loved it. We go back into the ring. There's a failed two count and Kit drinks another beer. Of course, being a heel, he spills half the beer out before he can drink it. But he ends up getting a mouthful and spits that shit in Rob's face. Of course, blinding Rob. Rob lost. He got next here. He bit a can open in half with his teeth, which I thought was pretty goddamn fantastic. And um, Rob then for another. This is another two. I don't know how long we're in this, but it, it really went for a while here. And of course, like I said, the fans were kind of dictating and Rob and Jaeger just seemed to get together. So the fans were chanting Jaeger a whole bunch. I was right there. Rob slammed a shitload of Jaeger. It was fantastic. Rob then fails again on another attempt. And of course, he goes back for the Jaeger. This was a bottle that was damn near full when we started. I do know that. But then, of course, Kit uh, uh, fails now after this. The wrestling was sparse, by the way. I do want to mention that. I mean it like Kit. Basically, they do a little um, 30 second to 45 second exchange and then boom, somebody did a two count. So it was more about just having fun, drinking, putting out something a little unique there. Uh, Kit fails basically not to drink at all. As he starts to be a little more heelish towards the end of this, he grabs the Jaeger and chugs it as fans chant double and then one more drink. Because what happened was Kit had um, skipped one of his turns and the fans did not let him forget. So he ended up with um, with doubles. And I'd realized at that point that the fans were a bad influence, dude. <laughs> we were really bad influence. We were really pushing him to drink. If you've ever seen anyone drink too much uh, beer at one time, like maybe they down a beer and they're not used to it. And they have that, that like their lip is out, like, uh, and they're like slobbery and shit. Like, you know, that, that look that everybody has after drinking too much of a skunky beer or something. They, they both had a nasty look on them. There was a little slobbering going on with Kit. It was, it was bad, man. Um, Kit rips a beer in half then and um, cuts Rob's head. And that's where we get some bleeding. It was about the nine minute mark or so. There were a lot of quick wrestling exchanges, and then it went right to the end. Surprisingly, but happy to say, our winner was Rob Shit with the Brain Buster. Um, Rob celebrated with a little shaking of the ropes, Ultimate Warrior style. I did want to mention that just uh, just because it was worth mentioning. But wild, different, Vegas. 
that's what this was. This was the perfect match for a birthday party at Jimmy Lloyd. <laughs> um, yeah. I liked that at the beginning. Uh, we go back to, as you said, it kind of sucks that there was no timer, no nameplates or nothing on the top of the screen. But when they did come come out, um, I forgot what they said for Rob Shad. I think they said he's going to kick the shit out of Kit. Like, <laughs> like above oh, his yeah? name, it said, Rob's going to kick the shit out of Kit. And then for uh, for Kits, it said that he's a national five-time wine drinking champion. And I just love the, the little like <laughs> the little tidbits there before uh, the match. I did catch that. Um, but seeing Rob shit, this was the first time I think we've seen him since uh, Atlantic City. And I remember during that show, I said he kind of just... He felt a little bit out of place during this match with kind of what was kind of uh, going on during the SGC. And I think it was a thrusty match. They were going against like Cole and uh, Dark Sheik and them. But he came in this match. And like you said, the the promo before, like the day or two before this night, they did a promo of him kind of getting out of jail. He goes to the phone and his first call is like to uh, Jimmy Lloyd saying, hey, still just just got up, still going to make it to your party. And that's where they, he challenges Kit. And he had a totally different look. The long hair is gone. I like the short hair look. He looks in way better shape than I remember seeing him in the past. He looks more, uh, oh, more yeah. thick with way muscles. Yeah, I think he looked tremendous. And I told you during this match, like this was he looked actually impressive in ring. Like this was the best I've seen Rob shit just look as the whole total package uh, presentation and even in ring when he did like the springboard um, into a splash. I was like stunned by how much height he got on that splash. And I want to see more of this version of Rob shit. Like this is the Rob shit I want to see. And he absolutely killed it. This match kit did a perfect job being a heel. Um, and that, this was just a fun and entertaining match. Um, I remember at the beginning, I think it was the first or second pinfall when Kit got pinned and then he went to go shotgun the beer and the beer spilled all over the mat. I mean, you're just like, oh, that's going to be there all night long. <laughs> like somebody better get that towel and wipe it up. And I don't think anyone did too. It just kind of dried in throughout the night. Yeah, just don't fall on that spot. It's okay. The wet spot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah nobody fall on the wet spot on the ring. I enjoyed it though. I thought this was fun. I did. It did have a like I said, the cool throwback to the wrestling revolver match with the smoking. Um, the one spot I was really hoping to see that I saw in that match was when they kind of have the they, the roll up like that. I don't know what it's called. when they kind of both have each other's head and they duck under. It's, the name's skipping me right now. They like the quick pin roll up and then. But they roll around the ring like in a little ball. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's what happened I'll during call it the Roly Poly. <laughs> the um, when that happened during the Kenny King and Trey McGill match, and they just got up, and that's when like everybody just started taking hits for a while because there was a lot of pins. I was kind of hoping to see that during this match, but I'm glad they didn't just copy the entire match too. They made it their own little fun one, and I I thought this was cool, late addition to this show, but a good way to kind of give Rob shit and uh, Kid Osborne. Um, a nice little uh, TV time for Jimmy Lloyd. And that's just that you can tell that's Jimmy Lloyd's friends. Uh, he just wanted to kind of give him a little 10 minute match. And I think that yeah. it worked out perfect for everybody. It, it definitely fit into this night and uh, different than all the other matches that we saw throughout the night. And that will lead us into our fourth matchup of the evening as it is C. Clope versus Matthew Justice. And now I'm honestly, because I'm going off the top of my head here, they didn't announce this as a casket match going into it, right? Is when they came out is when they said uh, uh, it was going to be a casket match. I'm not sure, honestly. I um, no, no, this was not announced as a casket match okay. at all. Oh, I think that yeah. was a get to the arena surprise kind of thing. 
I like how they pulled out like the old casket that FSW used used when um Impact was here. I know they did like Impact did a little taping of um uh like one of their uh cinematic matches that did I think during Halloween or something like that. And this is the same coffin that's been at the FSW arena since that has happened. And that used to be out in the prominent view for all the kids' classes. So the kids used to like climb in there and stuff like that and want to play around. So um this was insane. This was one of those matches that we were talking about. Uh, John Wayne Murdoch and Mance Warner when they wrestled against for a hundred people and they got that bloody warfare. That's what yep. this match kind of felt for us was like that. We had no reason getting this kind of this crazy of a match in a venue this small with a hundred people there, but that's just GCW and Ciclope <laughs> and Justice, and they absolutely almost literally tore the house that house down. I wrote my notes. This was probably one of the most. Uh, crazy matches i've seen in the fsw arena that actually happened inside and not outside dude that coffin the big white coffin came out i knew it was gonna get fucked up there was no question in my mind between ciclope and matthew justice that that coffin wasn't just gonna get ripped to shreds emil announces your funeral director chad rico I thought that was fantastic. Was it Chad you were thinking of? Oh, uh, no. It was a thinking? totally different one that wasn't on this card. I, I I can look him up real fast while you're going over your thing. But I like how you said the funeral director for Chad Rico, and that brought me back yeah. to uh, the previous match when they go, your bartender for the evening is Scarlett uh, Donovan. I yeah. did like that part as well. So Ciclope acts a touch nervous when he comes out. He's obviously nervous about the casket. I like the way he played that up. Justice starting using chairs by the 24 second mark, less than 40 seconds in, and he's throwing chairs in the ring. I absolutely love it. Two and a half minutes in, Justice and Ciclope trade ECW style chair shots on each other. Um, I would have loved to see that be done even closer to Sabu because I know Sabu would have really appreciated those. He was in that back corner watching. 10 feet the other way, he really would have gotten a great front row view. And I say that because the chair shots were hard as hell. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Clope was getting lit with those chairs. Dude, and they, yeah, they were answering back and forth with each other, too. It's not like, you know, one just kind of got, nah, man, it was almost like one, two shots. And then the guy goes, here, your turn. And he takes it one, two. Um, ladder comes in at the force, uh, the four minute mark. There's a spot here I want to kind of mention. There's actually quite a few spots. Are you? Do you need to say anything before I start these couple spots here? Because it gets a little busy in the coffin match. Well, I was just uh, after I was just writing down. I didn't even think about it until you said I, uh, that Sabu was there, and maybe this was like a little tribute by both competitors to uh, kind of pay homage yeah. to Sabu without the craziness it is. Because uh, I remember when Sandman was in the came out for that one show with the uh, Los Pasisos and Ciclope and Medio were talking on Twitter how awesome it was to be uh, in the ring with a GCW or a ECW legend because they grew up watching that shit and I didn't even think about it as you said until Sabu was 10 feet away from all the chaoticness and that, that had to be absolutely a way for both of those to kind of this was a match not for the fans but for Sabu I think specifically and I think us fans just happened to get enjoyed it and got spoiled with it because i've never seen this kind of craziness in the fsw arena yeah that was that was a lot short of putting a hole in a wall they did pretty <laughs> damn good this time you know they didn't have to open the back gate for anything they kept everything inside and it looked so so good the um, same with chair shots like it is with the chops across the chest those little spots those little venues man 
it just rings out and echoes so nicely. Okay, so here we go with our next round of spots here because it does get busy in this match. Needless to say, this is an 18-minute match. I, I'm i not going to go too far down, but I'm thinking this was the longest match, if not the next-to-last longest match of the evening. So, Ciclope drop kicks Justice through a chair. Justice gets up and starts throwing chairs into Ciclope's head. Lastly, a ladder was thrown onto good old Ciclope. Ciclope then throws the ladder at Justice. <laughs> I uh, Yeah. So the door comes in at the six and a half minute mark. Justice is on the top rope and leaps onto Ciclope, who was laying on the door. They obviously break the door when he lands. Minute eight, Ciclope is laid on a door. That's, yes, that's another door. They were door, you know, friendly in this one. Justice jumps on Ciclope, breaks that door. Justice is then speared through his own door at the nine minute mark. Ten minutes in and Justice is speared outside the ring onto the floor. We get heavy, holy shit chance. It looked, it did look really good. Uh, 30 seconds later, Justice is throwing uh, Ciclope from the top rope onto the coffin that's on the floor. And Justice dives from the top rope. Ciclope moves and Justice lands on the coffin, denting it hard. Ciclope closes the win the lid for the win. Our winner was Ciclope. Um, I have to mention before we go any further, because that was a lot. When... Um, when Justice is thrown down on that coffin, he knocks that whole thing off its hinges. I mean, the 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 thing is dented from the inside out even. Like, the whole thing was fucked up. It was wonderful to watch. And that's where me and you were like, like I remember Justice jumped off. I mean, you looked at each other like, I grabbed my head. I was like, holy shit, what the hell did Justice just do? And that's the part where I, started, right. I stood on the chair, like on my chair to watch, see what was going on over on that side of the ring uh, pretty much for the rest of this match because uh, they did a lot of action over by the coffin. And where we were sitting, we couldn't see it too much. But near the end, all the action was over there. And I was uh, standing up up top. I forgot to mention during the Rob shit match real fast to so go back. That's where I was yeah, holding yeah. Uh, with the cookies. That was where the whole cookie story. I was, uh, when did you say they Rob shit was being, or... Uh, Kit was being held by the fans as Rob shit chopped him. We were like right there. Like my wife, they put they put it in the chair next to my wife and my wife was holding the big ass bag of cookies still and trying not to have them all crumpled up. She kind of put it down low and I ended up holding uh, Kit's head and like he was like, trying to wriggle free and that's when Rob shit uh, hit him. My wife, my wife always has all the action always right by her. Like going back to the LA show when Ali Catch and, and Tyre Valkyrie were going crazy. Like I was in the restroom mm-hmm. at that time and all the actions in my chairs where my wife was sitting. So she seems to be a magnet to some of these spots there. I'm going to have to just start holding my pee. Maybe something will happen <laughs> in my area too. Um, very, very hard fought match. Both men um, took a lot of serious bumps. Like they earned their paycheck that night. Also, Macisos represented like crazy quality match from both of these men. Um, I questioned if FSW knew how much these two were going to fuck up that casket. Joe had to know just because of the last incident with Justice and uh, Fatu. Like I said, I one of those two went through a wall and left a dent in that wall and a hole in that wall for months until it finally got fixed. So I'm pretty sure he knew what he was getting himself in with Justice. But they were still using the coffin as we were, after the match was over when uh, I walked over to the restroom and I, they're in the back knocking all the dents out of the coffin. Oh, yeah. They kind of fix it and get it ready to still use. Yeah, you could. Okay, so for the people at home in between the matches, you could hear, 
bam, bam, bam. Someone was yep. pounding the shit out of that thing, trying to get all the dents out of it. It was just, that was funny to hear. I love that. Yeah, and we, uh, we can't talk about it too much, but we did get some uh, fun information on upcoming uh, GCW shows in the West Coast uh, in the next in the next couple months. So that's gonna that was fun yeah. to be able to get that information, start planning ahead of time. All right, so we move on. Everybody gets out of the ring. Some weird ass music hits. It's Darren Corbin, D A R I N Corbin. So he just grabs the microphone cold and says, uh, tells everyone they need to shut the fuck up, which direct to the point. I loved it. He says he's the hottest free agent in pro wrestling. He, uh, <laughs> he looks up at the Jay Vidal sign that had just been put up recently. Um, FSW tends to take um, pictures of the people that have come through FSW as um, students and they like to put up something when they finally make it into the bigger leagues. So Jay had just recently gotten that, that uh, banner put up there. So, so Darren points up to the uh, poster and says, what the fuck is a jaw vittle anyway? And yeah, dude, that was, that was fucking hilarious. You heard it too, right? Yeah. I had that in my notes. It was like, that was hilarious of Darren Corbin to mention. Cause like everyone at first, as you said, we didn't understand who was coming out. And then I, I saw him and I was like, he looks familiar, but I couldn't, didn't remember his name. Obviously then I saw Corbin on the back of his jersey. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's Darren Corbin. Um, and I just don't remember him cutting promos like that though. It was pretty funny seeing him cut that yeah. promo on Jay, uh, Jay Vidal. Almost a John Vittle. I almost said Vittle. That's going to fuck me up now. <laughs> so, um, right after he calls Jay Vidal, John Vittle music hits, it's Jay's music. Jay comes out to huge cheers. The place is bouncing. Jay, Jay, you know how it is because Las Vegas is Jay Vidal country. That's just how it is. That's how it's always going to be. Jay told Corbin he is so irrelevant that the WWE stole his name and gave it to someone else. And he wanted to make sure he understood it's Jay Vidal, spelled J A I, and that stands for impact, bitch. He said, You're in your gear, I guess. So let's do this. And that ended up uh, becoming a surprise match here. That was our fifth match of the night, huh? Yeah, and I said in my notes, that was great seeing a surprise. Uh, oh, my God. I'm going to mess up this name now after. Vittle. God damn it, Corbin. <laughs> um, it was nice seeing Jay Vidal back in uh, GCW and back in the FSW arena. As you said, it was kind of cool with him um, being on this on GCW so shortly after being in uh not enshrined or inducted, but having his uh, banner put up on the wall as a uh, kind of a wall of fame, as you said, that they had. And I was just glad to kind of see him back. Because I think Jay, uh, Jay Vidal easily could fit into GCW. And the few matches that they've had in GCW, it's been fun. And I we've seen him out in Vegas. We know how he good, how good he is and what he really could provide, uh, given a more, given a better opportunity and more opportunities to wrestle for GCW. Um, I definitely would like to see more of him uh, in GCW when they are out here on the West Coast. So this was a very quick match at two minutes and 22 seconds. Um, what you're going to hear for about two minutes of it is a crowd saying, Jay, Jay, Jay. We were a heavy portion of that, uh, especially my little group. We're big Jay fans. He's always been kind to us. He went out of his way multiple times to thank us off and on. So he's kind to us. We're always kind to him. Um, 
in this match, Jay basically hands down a heavy ass beating. There's no in between. I will say Darren is a good heel. He is fun to watch. He's easy to hate. He got no offense in whatsoever. Uh, the one spot I'll mention here was that Jay had a beautiful tope onto Darren. And um, that's primarily it. Again, it was a two minute, 22 second match. It was really just a reason to have Jay come out and uh, make the fans happy. And boy, did it freaking work. Yeah, I was I was happy to see him uh, show back up. And the way he near the beginning of the match, I just said it was, was two minutes. But this one spot just killed me. I watched it on TV because I didn't see it live. Um, Jay Vidal does a drop toe hold to Corbin in the corner and he his face hits the bottom turnbuckle. But the way his face hit that buck to bottom turnbuckle, like and he's just staring at the camera with his dead eyes. I loved uh-huh. like, I loved the cell spot there because I was it was it's pretty fun, uh funny watching it back uh on TV because when it happened, he his face was in the opposite corner and facing the other way, so I didn't notice it then. But watching it on Fight TV Plus uh was very entertaining to see. So our winner in this match ended up being uh Jay Vidal, I almost said Vittle. With the modified sharp fucking son of a bitch. Yeah, Jay Vidal with a modified sharpshooter. Again, this was a reason for Jay to come out and just receive love from the hometown. And we hope we did him proud. Yeah, I I think we did. Um, Yeah, nice and easy. And it was nice seeing a local talent get that spot in in this card as well, and especially in this arena for him. That will lead us into our sixth matchup of the evening as Speedball Mike Bailey goes one-on-one with Miedo Extremo. And yeah, this was probably the match I was looking forward to the most. And mm-hmm. it did not disappoint. This I am so glad to see this one happen one-on-one and in person, especially in Vegas. Um it even got a little bit more crazier than I thought, not with the fuckery and stuff, but how well these two meshed their styles together and told a great story. Um, as you said, that 18 minute match, that was the longest one. This one was close. Yeah. Uh, the, right afterwards was 17, a uh, little over 17 minutes, but I was so, I, this could have gone 25 minutes and I would have been happy to see it because both competitors had a flat out fantastic match. And to me, this uh, I don't know. I was going to say match tonight, but C-Club versus Justice also was pretty crazy as well. But you know what? I'll give Bailey and Extremo the match tonight for me. Yeah, I think so. I was that I, I was that one pounding the mat first. You can literally yeah. hear it on the thing. This was my match, man. Yeah, it definitely did not disappoint for sure. So Miedo comes out first to my favorite Spanish language music this year. Um, just wanted to mention that uh, the last 14 years was Shakira. Speedball comes out kicking and punching like crazy. He kicked my hand. No shit. He has some serious strength. I know he kind of laid in just a little on me because I'm a big guy, but full force, I would not want to feel what the hell he has because when he ripped that foot around, man, it it hurt a little bit. (laughs) He hit my hand and I have like a, I broke my pinky and like all pretty much in the same bone, two different ways. But the first one was pretty Mm -hmm. bad. I have like two screws in it. And every once uh-huh. in a while, one of the screws kind of pops loose just to like a tiny bit and it causes my finger to swell up. And, and mm-hmm. that's the kind of state it's in right now. It's still kind of swollen up. And I'm to drain <laughs> oh, it. No. But of course, I put my hand out for Bailey to uh, to kick. And yeah, he kicked my hand. I'm like, I held a straight face. And once I saw the camera go by me, I looked at my wife. I'm like, God, that hurt right on my pinky. Like, <laughs> I had to wait for the camera to go away, though. So I kind of uh, could look like a tough guy on camera. Because off camera, you know, I am not. I think we should have um, speedball memes like we have Chuck Norris memes. 
<laughs> I, think, I think it can be done. I'm going to have to maybe think about that a little bit, but I bet it could be done. Um, Miero is half of the most versatile tag team in wrestling, no doubt. And he really came out here and put on a good fucking show. Los Macisos, man. You can split them. They'll put on a four-star-plus four match. You can put them together. You can ask them to death match. You can ask them to take on to, like, I'm trying to think of a match they can't have. You know what I mean? It's just they're they're everywhere. And that's why oh. No, go for it, bro. I was just going to say, that's why I've always, like, praised them is for their versatility. So, like you said, singles, tag team, death match, regular, it doesn't matter. They're going to step up and have an entertaining match no matter what the situation calls for. I still, re I still remember though, just seeing them. I'm like, who in the hell are these guys? And you were just losing your shit. Like Los Macisos are here. I'm like, what's the big deal? It took <laughs> me like three matches. I was like, they're a big fucking deal. That's just how it is. Um, on the independent scene, I'd have to say Speedball is one of my favorite overall wrestlers. Period. Um, off the top of my head, I can't name many others that are what I would consider a complete show. What do you think? No, I, I, I'll, I'll hit you with a fun question right there. He's up there, like, that's why when him versus Jordan was always kind of like my top independent match I've wanted to see, and I've got to see it twice now. And, yes, Speedball doesn't miss. He's connects yeah. on everything. Gresham's, Gresham delivers for you. Yeah, Gresham. Big fan of him. And I think this one, too, because Miedo, like, I wanted to see Miedo step up, and I was hoping this match would play out like how it did. It was a not no fuckery was going on. They left kind of all that stuff out the way. I wouldn't see Miedo just straight have a straight one-on-one -on -one matchup. And, yeah, they wrestled. Yeah, step up in competition, I think, for him in a singles singles match. And, Boyd, he definitely stepped up and showed, like, as you said, like, I think a lot of people sleep on their natural wrestling. They was just focused on their death mm -hmm. match or the extreme when they go crazy with the doors and stuff. I think this was a perfect showcase, especially for Miedo. I think he's a little bit more, um, well, more well-rounded than Ciclope. Um in my opinion, on in singles to straight up, and he showed what he can do in this match. And Speedball, that he just he doesn't miss him. He's one of my favorites too to watch. Like he, I will go out of my way to watch any Speedball match that he's in because I have yet to see a bad Speedball match since he's been in GCW. No, half the time when I find out there's a Speedball match, my answer is, oh, like yep. literally, that's <laughs> just what it is. I'm like, okay, when can I watch? Because it's just his formula works so damn well. I've never seen a bad match, also, and. I just I'm always happy to see when he's on the card. It's like there's a guaranteed 10 to 15 minute spot there that's just going to be fun to watch. And I he, always have fun with him. And he's good playing heel, babyface. Like he goes in between each role too and excels at as we see the next night. He kind of goes more heel going against Nick Gage. And that's a side of speedball we don't see often. But when we do, like we always brag, or not brag, but we always talk about how well he is as a heel. Okay, so fans were fully awake for this match. They were pumped. It was obvious. Everybody in the crowd knew it was going to be good. You know, it's just, it was just going to be that way. There was a huge slugfest at around the minute and a half mark. Around two minutes in, they're fighting around the ring on the outside. I was noting and noticing here that Speedball has a higher level of matches than most on the independent scene. And I, uh, when is the last time he's went up against Blake Christian? I think those two need to meet like now. I uh, know that you're going to, you're going to look it up. Huh? I'm looking it, it up. It happened. But that was, uh, I know the Jacob. That's the last thing I could think of was Jacob, but that was one. They, of those... No, before, beforehand, yeah, be like... beforehand. I don't know. I'll look it up though. But I was saying like, that's a feud I want to see in GCW. And I think they, though it's perfect ends of the spectrum. I think they would be 
telling I think they could tell a great uh great and fun story if they had a nice little couple weeks, couple months rivalry going between the two. So there's another spot I'd like to mention here. Um Mieto with an awesome rope assisted figure four on speedball. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Basically, Mieto used one of the ropes like a leg to do a figure four. I I don't know. I don't have a way to explain it, but it was just innovative and I haven't seen it before. And I thought it was a cool move. The only bad part is it only lasts for so long because there's a rope break. Yeah, that that's the fun moves like kind of like how a res does it. But that's what I mean. They don't really count for a res when he does it. But oh, well, it's just how they do the referee, mm-hmm. like, give or take. But um, I was glad to see him kind of pull out, as you said, that move. And he does a couple other moves that we don't really get to see often because he doesn't wrestle in a singles match or in a normal traditional uh, wrestling match as well. So we got to see a lot more of Miedo than what we're uh, normally typical scene of him. And I was there live. You were there too. <laughs> the fans were really attentive in the match. It was really good early on. It captured everyone's imagination quickly. A lot of people were sunk in. My son, um, he will watch quite a bit and he likes to, I can, I can tell when he's sunken in and he was really into this match a lot. I also was noticing a couple times Miedo is still adjusting that uh, shoulder brace that he has there. I really do hope that um, that works out for him soon because, again, he works so damn hard. And um, I don't like to see good hard workers like that working through injury. That just that just sucks. I know everybody's always injured in wrestling, but, I mean, to have a brace on and whatnot, that, that stinks, man. Just think about what he would be doing uh, without that. <laughs> Like if he was at a hundred percent, like that's why I've like I said before, like I wouldn't mind seeing them take like maybe a month off or a couple of weeks or a couple of shows off just to heal up and get it back to a hundred percent. Cause like they definitely earned it. They, since they've been back, they've been on almost every single card and just go crazy. And I think like I would want to see a hundred percent Miedo go against speedball again when they, if they run it back, because uh, that would be a fun matchup. And I did find Blake versus uh Bailey and I'm fucking mad I didn't think of it. It was at the UCC. I was yeah. there when I saw it. That was the match where Kevin Gill like <laughs> lost his shit on commentary. Like, oh no shit. Yeah. So I, I once I saw that I'm like, oh my god, I'm an idiot. That's like one of my favorite spots of GCW ever. Wow. Um, a lot of this is awesome. Chance were coming out from the crowd. We were trying to be as appreciative as we could, given the circumstances that like we knew this was probably the main event of the evening. Really, we just we if you were a wrestling fan, this was going to be probably it right here speedball was also showing clear signs of damage to the left leg which is also his dominant leg i don't know how many people know he's a lefty the um that was the same leg that was injured in the tournament so either he's you know a little little hurt or he is selling a long-term injury storyline and that would be fantastic if that's the case i i was noticing the same thing I uh I didn't notice it too much live, but I noticed it watching it back, like especially early on in the match, how much he was limping. We noticed it live later on how when he was really favoring that leg. But um I think it was storytelling. I'd really think like that's how good he is as a wrestler. Yeah, He's gonna yeah. keep he might favor that for like next couple nights and then when it goes away, nobody will notice because it's been so long it's healed up. But I thought that was pretty cool shortly after the Jacob. He's still selling the injury what happened um a week or two prior. And I think that's so cool because continue the continuality of everything just makes it that much more immersive for me as a fan. So Miedo hits a surfboard on speedball. I believe they called it La Tapatia, which that was kind of cool because <laughs> I'm a fan of Tapatio for sure. If um, 
some of you don't know what it is. Even this Ohio boy likes tapatio. <laughs> it's like a okay. It's like a hot sauce, right? I don't know how to explain it though. It's like vinegary or something. But I eat it. You have you you've had it before. I've liked I, it. I up to you. I don't eat it. Uh, I don't prefer it. But I, whenever I say if it's there, the only option I grab it and I enjoy it. But it's just not my first. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, that with like a little bit of that with a bean and cheese burrito is my shit. Oh, that sounds some good stuff, man. Oh, yeah. So back to the match here. (laughs) Mieto and Speedball fight outside a lot throughout this match. And I do want to really mention that, too, because there was probably a good quarter of this match that was really fought outside up to and including a spot where um, Mieto had uh, basically surfboarded Speedball in the stands. And those stands are hard. There's no give to them. If you get hurt or uh, knocked down in those stands, it's it's going to hurt. Um, both men are rough on each other fighting in the stands. Um, uh, there was another spot here I think I would like to mention. Sorry, I was just looking through my notes and I didn't want to repeat myself. I actually saw a note here that you know, um, I love Bailey's moonsault double knees on Tomieto's chest. That received holy shit chance. Now, Bailey does do that a lot and it always looks good and it does have a heavy impact. But the holy shit chance that were coming from the crowd makes me think there definitely was a chunk of that crowd that had never seen Bailey before. Had to have never seen him. And th- and this so one landed on his face, too. I think that's where Mieto got busted up on his mouth. I think he didn't fully land on the yep. chest. And that uh, I love it, too, when he misses that move. It kind of it makes it unpredictable whenever he does miss it. And he, the way he sells his knees, like, oh, my God. Like, when he just drives yeah. into the canvas. I do very much enjoy that move. Because he does get into it uh, in uh, different ways as well. So I waited 13 minutes for my favorite move to come out of Speedball Mike Bailey. I'm a big fan of the tornado kick. I don't know what it is, but I think it always looks cool. So, you know, the crowd agreed. We had this is awesome chance from that point of people were standing. It had a very big fight feel. Like I said, I think the fans knew this was primarily our main event. It was like our quiet main event. Um, Bailey had a fantastic snapping poison Rana. Mieto was basically bleeding from the mouth and the nose from that uh, from that outside spot forward. But these two fought really hard, and Mike ended up being the winner here with a flamingo driver. Which again, that's his move. That's like the one winged angel. I say it all the time, but it seems to be. You just you don't kick out of it. He's got you in a way that you're not going to be able to really kick out of it, and it looks so damn good. Yeah. Uh, I think I've only seen one person ever kick out of it. I can't remember who it was, but I was like, shocked. it was during the tournament. It was during the tournament. Oh, it was okay. someone, someone, yeah, someone kicked out during the tournament and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was probably the main event. Yeah. In the finals. Jordan probably did it. Yeah. That Flamingo driver's a fun thing. The one move I missed him kind of doing is that Navarro special when he kind of like does like the sharp shooter into like a figure four, but then turns it around into an ankle lock on top of it. Like he, oh. he, the first time I saw him do that, I was like, I love that move. What is this called? And he said it's called the Navarro special. And ever since he said that, every time I I look for him to use it during the match, but he doesn't use it quite often, but whenever he does, I always pop for it. But this was, as you said, fun entertainment match. It definitely lived up to match of the night, in my opinion, too, as well. Like I think the for the craziness, I'll give it to Ciclope and Justice, but overall, like yes. a straight yeah. traditional match for sure. This was uh right up there for match of the night. And um this was also like the match I start. I actually kind of got angry watching it live, uh, not live, but on TV or on Fight TV. I was like, "Where are the goddamn timer?" Like, I wanted to see how long is this match is going because right. it's been right. it was awesome, and I just wanted to see is this a twenty minute classic? Is it fifteen? Um, but this was like the first part of the night where I really kind of got mad, and I didn't understand why it went away 
uh, production-wise. Like, it just looks so cool. They like, do it for one match, and that was it. But uh, that's neither here nor there. His speedball selling during this match was incredible. Um, and Miedo being able to keep up with speedball just, like I said, showed his versatility. And I loved it. I loved when he had him in the surfboard before they went outside and he kind of tossed him out of the ring, like with the surfboard to lead him into the outside um, as well. But this also got me thinking. This was like a little, we could kind of talk about this if you want to. Let's do it. This showed I me like GCW is just so deep in talent. Like either what they bring in on a weekly basis as like a one time only, or you got these two, which are pretty much consistent wrestlers and they're finally able to go at it one on one. Like, it's just crazy to see dream matches on a weekly basis. And I think we're so spoiled being able to do that. And Cardona, I think, said it the best, though. I don't think uh, he said GCW isn't an indie, but it's the number three company in the United States right now because no one is traveling and selling out shows like the like GCW is other than AEW and WWE. But like no one's going town to town to town as often as GCW is and consistently selling out. And putting product on two times a week sometimes, as we saw Friday and Saturday on yep. uh, Fight TV Plus. So um, I just think it's the buzz that they're creating is kind of getting bigger and bigger. I thought it was like slowing down a little bit. Um, but with Nick Gage being the champion and him kind of coming back full blast, I really could feel like a different feeling in the crowds too, where it does feel like how it was um, before Nick kind of took the break and lost the belt originally to... Uh, cardona as well what are your thoughts on gcw being the number three that's how i describe it to everyone i think like it's better i tell than everyone i say i say they're the number three in the country they're the number one independent no absolutely that's, yeah. that's how i describe it because i mean there's no denying whatsoever they're number one in the independent that's just how it is there's nobody else doing what they're doing there are some people that might be able to get um a good crowd in their home territory every now and then but the minute they go outside of that territory, it's sometimes a different game. Um, I just wanted to mention here that after this match happened, we got the one, two, three and Mike Bailey one. Everybody immediately came up and just started pounding the crap out of the mat. I didn't put a time down on it, but there was easily a good 15 seconds where that pounding just kept going on and on. We were all so thankful of that match. We had that was awesome chance. And yeah, it's going to hand it ended with a handshake and a show of respect, which I think it should have done. I don't really know who was the heel here. It wasn't very clear, was it? No, I don't think they really had one because Miedo's like we had a lot of fans behind him once they realized he was uh, giving Speedball a run for his money there. Um, I don't think there was a heel. I think they just the crowd just loved both of them. And I, it was fine to watch. I don't mind whenever you don't have to pick between a heel and a face. You could just show. Your appreciation of both wrestlers. Yeah, I'll I'll say it again. That was our match of the night. I mean, that was my match of the night for sure. And I don't run up to the ring often. Like that was one. As soon as it ended, I was right there with you. Like I had to stand up and just go and like pound it because that was incredible. I think the only other time I ever it was instinctive. Yeah, and, like and, it was instinct. We I, were just so damn happy. It was like gotta go. I hit it. Then I looked around. Like oh shit, is anyone else doing this? Or am I the only idiot running up here doing it? But you were mm -hmm. you were right there next to me too. Like yeah, I think we both just jumped up and ran up there because that's the only thing I felt like doing after that match. Because I uh, both of both competitors stepped up and delivered a tremendous match, and I definitely want to see this one ran. But oh, I just watched the the moonsault knees onto the outside. Yeah, he landed right on mm -hmm. me. So, what is that? What it was? It yeah, was, that was right the bleeding on his face. spot. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> but this was in it like yeah the whole fan the, all the fans were standing up the entire time you see like the energy felt different during that match as you said like i 
even before, like as the match started, you said that the energy felt different. I didn't really notice it until at the end where I just couldn't control myself and stood up and had to get it out of my system. I want to see this one ran back at least one more time, but Mieta hopefully fully healthy. That will lead us into our seventh matchup of the evening as Dark Sheik goes one-on-one -on -one with Santana Jackson. And I knew this would be an entertaining match in a different way than kind of what we've seen throughout the night, which makes it awesome because we get to see all these different styles of wrestling. And um, uh, Dark Sheik and Santana Jackson did a very good job of uh, playing, entertaining to, yeah, playing to their characters and entertaining us. Uh, that's where I was heading to. So what was your thoughts on this match? I thought that it's always fun when I hear smooth criminal smooth criminal plays out comes Santana Jackson. He's well-received a lot of Las Vegas knows who he is by now in the wrestling scene. So when they see him, they kind of know what to expect and everybody loves it. She comes out dressed as Britney Spears. It is one of her old videos from a long time ago where she's dressed as like an airline stewardess or whatever. It actually looked really awesome on Sheik. I think she did a really good job. We ended up talking to her in LA about it. So how that came about was that she told Allie she was going to dress up like Britney Spears for her birthday. So I guess that's how that all came around. And her birthday was just recently. So that makes sense, too. Yeah, I think it was but, like two um, days before Jimmy's, I think, or maybe even the yeah, day before yeah, Jimmy's. Yeah, so this was the spot where she was able to get that going. Um yeah, this was the pop king of wrestling. I kind of like that name that they gave him on there. Um, Sheik and Santana in the ring, dancing and taunting each other. The gloves were off, literally. Sheik's bust out in a nude-colored full-body outfit, which, same thing, talked to her later about it. She was kind of surprised herself how nude she looked out there and um, laughed it off. It was funny, and it wasn't in a bad way. She was doing. She was happy with who she was, who she looked like, how she was doing, and um, was happy as all get out. It was a nice spot with Sheik where she was hitting a split-leg Bronco Buster, which is... We nobody uses the Bronco Buster anymore, so I'm really happy that someone does use it. I was laughing at um, Lauderdale on commentary. Lauderdale goes, uh, "Lots of uh, ass cheeks out here." Emil says, "Asses up." Lauderdale says, uh, "Asses up and asses out." So uh, it's very ass-related thing going on there. Sheik does attempt the people's elbow, but does miss. Santana then disappears. Referee can't find him. Sheik can't find him. We don't know what's going on. Now, this is where normally the thriller music hits. I do want to say that needs to be playing because it does kind of help with what uh, what goes on here. So basically, out from underneath the ring, you see someone with a werewolf's head on. Sheik is very confused. And basically, that's, like I said, where I really wish we had thriller because that's kind of the highlight of um, Santana's act. But uh, Sheik also hit that Johnny Cage punch to the nuts, which she's kind of known for. I actually do like that move a lot. I'm a Mortal Kombat fan, so maybe that's part of it. But our winner ends up being Dark Sheik, ended up with a pump handle slam. I love the move. I've always loved that move, and I think it's a great finisher. I'll just say like I always do, it was an entertaining match. It was the setup right before the main event. I think it did its job. I really had a good time, and it was fun to watch live. How Sheik was able to wrestle in those, okay, I found this out now. They called it wedges. Heels. Right? Okay. Oh, is that what those are? I thought I read online some like, I think it was Dark Sheik said, like, corrected somebody and said wedges. I'm like, oh, so that's what those are called. But I was Damn. watching that too. I'm like, how? Like, I don't know how Speedball does it barefoot. I don't know how you could 
do any of those moves in those uh, shoes that she- Sheik was wearing because I would break I would break my ankle just watching her watching Sheik move around the ring. Like I right? don't understand how how uh, Sheik could uh, wrestle in those things. But I very much enjoyed this match. I was the same way. Once I didn't hear Thriller kind of once uh, Santana put the werewolf mask on, I was kind of disappointed at that because. My first time ever seeing Santana Jackson Russell was at a VXS show here in Vegas against Joey Janela, and that was uh, they my first time seeing it, and so I didn't know he pulled out the werewolf mask. I heard Thriller uh, at that night. I'm like, what is going on? And seeing him do the dance and leading up to the I don't know what he calls it. It's like the, the Thriller elbow, not the People's elbow, but the Thriller elbow. The Thriller. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I I definitely missed that because it brought so much attention to that move for me. Like that night, I filmed it. And, like, I thought this was, like, I said, what am I watching right now? Like, I'm hearing Thriller and a werewolf mask with Santana Jackson, and they're throwing a blanket from the top top ceiling. <laughs> it, it was, Santana Jackson's entertaining, but I think it did miss a little bit without the music. But uh, I love watching people's reaction, too, when they first watch Santana Jackson, because you always, like, they see him yeah. there and go, yeah. You know, throughout the whole match, and then <laughs> then Santana does it back, which is cool. He knows like he's obviously a gimmick wrestler, but um, I think he absolutely kills it with the end with the the gimmick every single time. And uh, this was another fun match between uh, Santana Jackson and Sheik. It just they both impressed me being able to dance like or wrestle and dance like Michael Jackson, and to dance uh, or not dance, wrestle in those boots as Sheik did uh, was very impressive as well. Also. Uh... Brett and Emil were on commentary, and that was fun to listen to too. That was uh, it was refreshing to hear something different. Yeah, I was glad to hear Lauderdale on commentary. I think he added a lot more stuff uh, to these couple matches. And I, I think I even texted you because at this point I did have the sound on low again too. I'm like, is that Brett on commentary? You're like it sounds like. I'm like it has to be Brett because <laughs> the energy was picked up a little bit too on commentary, and I really enjoyed some of the stuff that Brett says on commentary because it's you get to hear the owner speak of. What right. he's put, what he put out, and then you got to get a real life uh, reaction to what uh, matches he put together and stuff like that. So I very much entertain or am entertained and enjoy whenever Brett is on commentary because we get to hear a different side of um, the business a little bit of what's going on during these matches. Okay, so I'll I'll hit you with something weird, and I'm not going to get on it much because I think there's a lot of holes in it. But there's a conspiracy out there I wanted to talk to you about. I think it's kind of cool. You ready for this? So someone said, someone brought a conspiracy to wrestling that said that WWE is helping sponsor some of GCW's activity, just like they did with ECW back in the day. The purpose for this is that WWE understands and appreciates the historical aspect of what ECW did. They say GCW rolling around and they feel that this time maybe they need to also keep it going and keep it alive as a number three not only because they feel there should be a number you know, three there, maybe to take some people away from number two, but also because they could use it as a testing ground. What's hot right now in wrestling? Let's go down and watch women. Let's go down and watch hardcore. And then they could bring whatever they learn from GCW's fan base up into, you know. That was a conspiracy I, th- I heard, and I thought that was a very interesting one. I'm not saying I, I have tons of doubts, but I find that one very interesting because it would almost be a situation that would kind of work. It would kind of work. Historically, they'd be uh, like, shit, I wish ECW didn't fold. We have a chance with GCW. Let's keep them rolling. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird. I was just about to say, like, historically, I think it would make sense because that's what they did with ECW. 
but ecw didn't really have light tubes or any of that stuff like they did get extreme and get nuts and crazy and a lot of this stuff went against uh what's pc probably nowadays even back Mm -hmm. then but i i I don't see them financially backing gcw up just because of the possible liability of being associated with that even if it's just giving them money but once the whole thing when Brett took the picture with Stephanie and posted it out and then they were trying to figure like the mm-hmm. the cryptic tweets of where are we gonna go or what programming are we gonna be on? And so like a lot of people <laughs> going with the Peacock and seeing GCW on Peacock, I was like, there's no way, but it no was, way in hell. Yeah, it was very fun though seeing the discourse happen around it and seeing like thinking of yeah. hey, if it was happening, this is a possibility, that's a possibility. And it was a strong possibility at that time as well because they gcw talent when they were in the uk they did that one special show for progress and progress Mm -hmm. is on the peacock and you got to see joey janela jordan oliver uh effie cole radic on the peacock and i thought that was very interesting based off of the timing that was kind of or or the conversations going around going on at that time i thought it was a very fun to listen to and to think about some fun stuff but um I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool if that if they did kind of just keep on funneling money to GCW, so that way they could continue to do all these awesome things and not have to worry about oh, is this going to be our last show ever or whatnot? Uh, <laughs> not that they're thinking about that now. I think they're so ingrained in independent wrestling, as you said, as the number one. And I right there with you. I I don't think uh, they'll be going away anytime sh- soon. But just the possibility in the back of my mind of, ooh, what if someone does get hurt with a light tube, either in the ring or a fan outside or something like that? And especially as we, we can kind of talk about the next episode of what happened to uh, Bailey in the UCC Center. Um, shit like that, like if shit goes bad, how bad it could really go for GCW and, and everything well, else. They're independent contractors. Yeah. So a lot of liability right there goes to the person who's the contractor. Okay. Which is really helpful. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, there's a lot into that. But it was fun thinking about all the cool possibilities of uh, a WWE, GCW kind of uh, joint productions kind of happening. As you said, yeah. like, a little here and there of like, hey, let's send someone in NXT down there to see what they really got since we're not really using them here. Let them go Buster or Buster, not Buster Shops, earn, uh, earn a living. Earn their stripes. Out. Yeah, that's what it was out in the independence and i think what better way to do it than give them to the number one independent wrestling company and see what they could do and how as you said the independent fans would wrestling fans would react to those wrestlers when they possibly go back to wwe on the bigger platform and bigger t- uh, tv deals and stuff like that yeah i think the conspiracy just basically came out of the parallels between gcw and ecw and they were just basically repeating the same thing going wouldn't this sound good and brett doesn't help it by keeping on a putting out those little easter eggs of ah oh, he's having yeah it, i love it when he does that because like, you <laughs> see these fans like as uh, the whole stuff like bodyslam.net and stuff like that people like running with like oh joey janela's telling everybody to watch raw their gcw is going to be on raw next week it's like come on guys you guys got to know when they're uh fooling with us or serious and most of the time brett's always fooling with us when it comes to shit like that yeah, I like the one where they said uh, you guys need to tell everybody that raw's on tonight didn't you get the uh email yeah i love that that was fun and like that made it all like that got a lot of people talking about gcw too so they kind of know how to stay relevant and in the news and um not viral but stay on social media and have the words the letters gcw still coming out of people's mouth which is always helpful for this company 
And that will lead us, well, not lead us into our main event. It kind of leads us, well, yeah, it leads us into our main event. Uh, before the main <laughs> event happens, I totally forgot. I thought there was like a match that came out afterwards, but it just felt that long because it was. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Lloyd comes out and gets on the mic and he kind of says, hey, it's my birthday and I want one thing for my birthday. And that's to have like a no rope bar bar death match. So they kind of announced that his match against Effie will be a no rope bar bar death match. And they on fight TV, they cut to intermission to set up all the barbed wire. And for us, that's where kind of we did a lot of uh, catching up on the show and walking around and talking with other wrestlers and fans and stuff like that. Um, I actually went and got a Miedo, um, Miedo, uh, Funko Pop, a uh, mini Funko yeah. Pop uh, during this part of the night, which I thought was pretty cool because I don't see any GCW wrestlers with the one. And after seeing how if Miedo could get one done, I think GCW is missing on a cash cow, I believe, with uh, kind of the, you a know, ton of them. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of they just said wrestling fans are collectors and stuff like that. And I'm a mm-hmm. Funko Pop collector. I got a lot of wrestling ones. Um, and that's the first GCW one. And I want way more now after getting Miedo's. And he had two different versions, too. I thought it was one was Miedo, one was Ciclope. But it's two different versions of him. So I think other GCW wrestlers should uh, kind of talk to Miedo and possibly start a little Funko Pop merch uh, deal going off and for the live audiences and sell it out on. Hey, they could sell it on GCW merch and make a killing, I think. Man, Jimmy had an awkward request for his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I think he said because Sabu was here, which I think is a really good reason. So in honor of Sabu, they're having a no rope barbed wire match. And boy, oh boy, was that crazy. Didn't even Effie say like, yeah, what are you asking for? Most people ask for like drinks or <laughs> or actual presents. Yeah. You're asking for an ass yeah. whooping and barbed wire. Like, you sure you want to do this, Jimmy? Are you sure this is what you want for your birthday? I love like the... The talking that they did before and during the match as well uh while it was going on i thought that added a little bit more to the match so did we announce this one as the main event you already announced it right so yeah I... well we started to jimmy came out announced that yeah. and then they spent quite a bit of time setting up the barbed wire and then we came back from the intermission barbed wires all set up and that is our main event is a no rope barbed wire death match between jimmy lloyd and effie and and that barbed wire wrapping was a group effort, by the way. <laughs> I know some people were going, hey, it takes this long. Yeah, honestly, it was just like a sub. Yeah, yeah. So it was one of those things where it was a group effort. I even had barbed wire. Scarlet had barbed wire with no uh, with no gloves on. Like there was a couple of us. It was like just out there trying. Um, talent was out there getting rope, you know, getting the barbed wire put together. It was not easy, So. They don't have anything bad to say, hopefully, because it 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 was a lot to do. And this was a pleasant surprise. Like we didn't expect I didn't expect this match, obviously nobody because it announced, but I expected it to get crazy, but once they announced the no rope bar bar, I was like, okay, they're gonna try to top Ciclope and Justice after what they just did with the craziness. Like shit is about to get real and this is gonna be uh interesting birthday present for Jimmy Lloyd is what I wrote down because this match was was crazy it got kind of crazy right away too off of kind of accidentally got crazy um now after the bump that effie took did you hear me before the match saying i have a bad feeling i think we both said that because we were kind of watching like the when they i was setting up the thing the barbed wire we were kind of talking how they're gonna they're they're setting it up and how when i was there for jordan versus atticus the match and i watched them set it up it didn't look the same way that they wrapped that barbed wire 
it didn't just look as strong enough or could support um, someone's weight as yeah. much as it should have. And I think that's what we were kind of talking about beforehand, where it yeah. kind of felt like a bad feeling going into. I told, I turned, I turned and told my wife, I have a bad feeling. Something about that ain't right. I told my son. That's why I was wondering if I told you. I think I told your wife. I told a couple people just as I was standing there. Just my feelings weren't good. I was like, yeah, this doesn't seem something doesn't seem right. And I was kind of nervous because usually my intuition's pretty good. And then, yeah, little little craziness happened. Well, even when they were setting it up and they cut it that like when they realized they made a mistake and they cut it out to restart it again, like in the way they yeah, cut it yeah. and it went flinging into this like this crowd and stuff. I was like, what is this? This is going to get nuts. Like I had the same ominous feeling uh, with you going into this match. And I got a little story after the match. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, after the match. And too, it, when they it's nothing. The wire. It's no, it's it's nothing that anybody did bad. It's just it was just hell to put that thing up this one time. Yeah, I, so I, be it. I lo- I blame the way the spool, the way it was on like the big spool, and it was kind of tough to get off of. <laughs> well, right, that shit was sharp. It was not cut. That was some sharp ass stuff. I'm telling you because I had it in my hands and I was really trying to watch my arms and wrists. Like you can get cut up really easy with that stuff. No lie. I'm a fan. I always wondered about that shit. What they were using that night was fucking. I'm surprised it didn't get cut up worst, honestly, because, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. There you are with the piece of it right there in your hand. Yeah. Not you, the same I mean, one. It's not the same right. one. Oh, but, okay. Okay. But I think that's what you're about to ask me. Like, what do I think? Like how sharp these are and stuff. Like I've, yeah. I, I play with this sometimes with like a fidget, my hands fidget this entire, like when we record it, if you hear something going on, it's me with my little fidget cube or me with the pen, or sometimes I got this barbed wire from the Jordan Atticus match. Like it just sits on my desk. I, trolled around but then by the end of the night look at my hands i got like little scratches all over because yep if you've seen like barbed wire like on aw i always go back to this like when they had barbed wire everywhere and you saw like just one little piece of sharp object within five feet of uh barbed wire and it's like rounded and like they kind of shave it off and don't make it as sharp with the sharp ends they kind of more they round it off in AEW. where yeah these ones that they use are strictly real it's funny uh my father as fuck yeah, we were telling my father all about like that match and kind of what happened that night. And I told him how we had a piece. He's like, oh, like it can't be real. I'm like, it's real. And so I grabbed this and I kind of had him holding his hand. He's like, holy shit, that's sharp. It's like, this is the real deal that they go. It's not bendy. Right, like right. You really got to work this thing to even bend it. And the sharps are, uh, the edges are sharp. It's, it's the real deal. And knowing yeah. that it was the same kind of barbed wire going into this match and what as we'll talk about what happened it just kind of adds more craziness to effie <laughs> i think it adds to effie's legend i think oh yeah yeah for sure so i was watching effie come out he was constantly assessing the barbed wire as he was waiting for lloyd i can even see him talk to the ref a couple of times lloyd came out to huge cheers he's the birthday boy we knew it was going to be that way so yeah, see, I'm going to go ahead and take out my note because I said it right here. Before I said the barbed wire looked extra dangerous. I'll go ahead and take that one out. But that's just the truth. It did. Um, both men start by a series of holds. They start pushing each other, trying to get the other into the barbed wire. So this is the spot that everybody's kind of seen online. I'm going to try to describe it as best I could. But Effie turns around near the barbed wire. His back is to the barbed wire. Jimmy kicks Effie into the barbed wire. Now, normally... Effie would have basically fell backward into the barbed wire and he would have stayed there and sold it. But what happens is this, this barbed wire gives way and Effie literally hit the barbed wire and you see him 
skin included, slide his back and his body down the barbed wire and then fall back like ass first out of the ring. Like all of it was something that was completely unexpected. And immediately once Effie hits the ground, you can see him lift his arm and check the back of his arm because I think he felt that he really fucked that up back there. Um, Just as Effie turns to check his arm, you see the ref quickly come over. I mean, like quickly come over and he's concerned. And you can see when Effie finally turns around and gets back into the ring, he's got these slices in his back. They look like almost like rips, like um, if Wolverine like just slashed at your shit. Like that's what his back looked like. And um, as the match continues, there was one major wound that was there and you could see it kept opening up and getting bigger and bigger. Like he definitely needed to get some glue or some stitches in that soon. And uh, wow, was that bad? You could easily stick a quarter in it. Yep. For sure. Um, We did talk to him after the show. He was in pain. I believe they glued him shut is what I'm, I'm thinking, unless they numbed him and stitched him, but I doubt it. Um, but they took it easy on him in L.A. because he was just so fucked up from that. And um, I really feel bad for him because he just he he wasn't well. Yeah. When we for, uh, when we were watching this live, uh, I just saw the way he fell. I, I didn't even care about the barbed wire at first. I was just like, holy shit. Right, he just landed right, on the back right. of his head like. That was my thing. He just fell three feet and hit the back of his head on concrete. And like I stood up and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then the crowd he, went quiet. Yeah, it too. went quiet. It went deadly quiet. Like Fucking right quiet. away, I was like, "Oh shit!" And then like once he kind of crawled up a little bit, I was like, "Okay, at least he's not knocked unconscious or even worse." And then when he rolled into the ring, you saw his back. You just hear the whole crowd like, oh, like just a massive yep. groan. And I think you described it perfectly. Just imagine some like Wolverine scratching down your back. And it wasn't just like a maybe one inch or two inch. It was like a foot long scratch on his back. That's yep. what it looked like. Yep. And some of them were like little red marks just off a basic scratch. But you could tell like on two or three of them, the barbed wire caught the skin and dragged and ripped it straight down. Yep. And as you yeah. said, as the match went on, it looked like it got wider and wider and wider. And like, I didn't think I made a comment too. I was like, holy shit, that thing's going to like pop open. Cause it was as yeah. each move, each time he took a bump, you just see the, as you said, they could probably fit a quarter, if not two quarters in that hole. And I just don't understand. Like, this is just another, like I said, add this to the legend of Effie. And he does this shit quite often. Like I go back to I, a couple different spots where he's taking a bump and, the worst thing has happened to him. Like I, uh, the one with, um, in Texas against, Oh my God, of course I forget her name. I just had it in my mind. Well, he'd like, I'll tell out, you the venue, <laughs> the local arena. I can tell you the local is in the local. There you arena. Go. I, can See, the I knew you'd know the venue. <laughs> I can tell you the venue. Uh, um, Oh, <laughs> what's her name? She's like the woman, the death match wrestler with the mask on. Sadika. Yes. Sadika. Yep. Wow. I yeah. can't believe that one. Came there you go. Of. Home run. Uh, yeah, his match with Sadika just took a normal bump to the outside, but sliced his arm up to shit. And he seems to, unfortunately, just bad luck happens to him in these death matches, and he gets hurt way more than probably he intended to. But he he's such an unsung hero to GCW. Like you said, he was a pain after this match. I couldn't tell watching this match afterwards. He didn't complain about it. He stood up and didn't look like he was favoring. Any piece of his back, other than like when he got in and checked on it, he went on the rest of this match and competed flawlessly. Where you couldn't tell he's got three foot long marks on his back, like well, like he just got attacked by Wolverine. And I just think 
he needs to be recognized for some of the crazy shit that he does for GCW. And on a weekly, showly basis, he's there every single time. And I just wanted to give a shout out to him because like it sucks watching it do it, but he's just so damn tough and he'll do anything for. He did this for Jimmy. Jimmy Lloyd's birthday, he decided to do this for his back. I think he even made a comment afterwards, like, see, look what I'm willing to do for you, Jimmy, you asshole. (laughs) Dude, what? Okay, so that really, I wanted to paint that picture, and I think you got a good bunch of it. Basically, the minute Effie went out of the ring, you hear him hit. And from our perspective, we're on the other side of the ring. We're we're literally the opposite side. So I'm going to tell you what happened. Basically, you hear a slap. And the whole place went silent. And then you hear, oh, 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 like that weird shit you hear from people who are kind of gasping or exhaling, whatever, right? And then I look across because the first thing I look at when there's a fucking accident is I look at the closest fans that are next to it and see how they're reacting. And all the fans that were looking at him looked concerned. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. The main event just came to a halt. And then we watched it on, um, on TV on Fight Plus. And Brett was also a touch concerned in this. Like there was no, yeah, this, I feel bad for Effie, man. I feel really bad. And yeah, Brett took a a deep breath there for a minute. And I'll tell you the last time I felt like this at a wrestling show was unfortunately the VXS show here in Vegas when Drew Parker did it. It stopped the main event. Once he got his jabbed in the leg with the light tube. So I, yeah, that silence was very deafening. Or silence that, says a lot yeah and it, it made me it kind of made me like a little goosebumpy like holy shit do we have another drew parker situation but luckily like i said we see him kind of make his way up and like i didn't even think it like i said about the the barbed wire i was just more worried he just knocked himself fucking out cold or broke his neck falling out of the ring but once he stood up i was like okay and then seeing his back i saw it was pretty bad but looked like it was good enough to go on but he is a tough son of a bitch yeah, he, he took a moment to get off the ground, too. No shit. And he deserved to lay there for a minute. Yeah, after we watched it on Fight Plus, I was seeing how the referee was over there attending to him. He was right there, too. Did his job. Fantastic job. Communicated with him the whole time of what was going on. Um, Effie does eventually get back into the ring, and he gets a hold of Jimmy. And he starts rubbing his face into the barbed wire. He's eventually pushing him into the barbed wire stomach first. And... The top rope snapped on one side. At this point in my notes, I put this is fucking crazy. I mean, I'm I'm sitting there like, okay, everything that I said was going to happen just happened in the first three minutes. I mean, like, yeah, my my bad feelings were starting to really like it wasn't looking good from this point. It was nuts. Um, the close up shows that Effie is ripped up bad. He was leaving blood spots in the mats everywhere he touched. Jimmy cuts the barbed wire on one side of the ring. So now on the ramp side, all of the barbed wire is completely off. So the first one snapped. The second and third were the ones that he ended up clipping. So um, Lloyd sets up chairs on the outside. This is basically right where the ramp is. And he grabs Effie and hits a fireman's carry onto the chairs outside the ring. That, okay, if you would have lined up 20 things that Effie was going to do after taking that slide scrape shit down his back, I think the last thing he would have done was do a move like that because it just seems like it's so damn dangerous. He already tempted death, you know, once that night. And then this move, dude, this thing looked nasty. Like the math behind what they were doing to not get injured was incredible. Yeah. That spot, that fireman's carry dive outside through the chairs. Um, 
I wrote in my notes that what it kind of reminded me of. It felt like the Undertaker versus Mankind Hell in the Cell match, where one thing went super not bad, even though that one was planned being tossed off the cell. But for him to get up and then go back to the top when Mick Foley did and then get slant, choke slammed and then land on yep. the inside. I was like, God damn, another thing? Like, stop the damn match. Like, I was thinking, like, I felt like the guy in Rocky, like, throw the damn towel, stop the match. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Effie. Like, you don't got to go this crazy for Jimmy's birthday party. Save it for someone else's birthday party. But God, like, I felt really not bad for Effie, but I'm like, this guy is just a warrior and. Like I wrote yeah. in here, this after this match, I want to see another solo title run for Effie. Like I, I'm thinking like the extreme belt after this match. Like after this, really, I want to. I think he just earned it based off of this. Even if it's for a couple weeks, just putting your body through this kind of like torment that he did with Jimmy Lloyd for his birthday. I think it definitely deserved uh, one little couple week run of having the extreme title. But Effie can make that last forever. I just this just showed me how tough. Effie is and he has shown it time after time after time again and I just really think at this time would be a nice little extreme title run because we haven't seen the extreme title in in a while it seems like defended on GCW yeah it's out and about right now is it still in Japan Jimmy uh not Jimmy uh Joey Joey Janela had it. he brought it oh, out the that's Jersey right Cup, shit but he hasn't defended okay. it it's what feels like a while so well we'll see what happens maybe someone will say something about that at some point um Effie ended up becoming heel after this he was not happy and cute tonight he <laughs> was brutal and that's just how it went down effie was beating jimmy with chairs while he's throwing a bunch of chairs in the middle of the ring then slams jimmy on them jimmy hits a jumping tombstone onto a chair which absolutely bends the chair it looked really vicious and our boy our birthday boy ended up being the winner jimmy lloyd when he wraps effie's head and face in barbed wire where Effie is forced to tap out. This was one crazy and dangerous freaking barbed wire match, my friend. Yes, and I wrote down, like, we got a real extreme treat tonight. Like, we got a lot more. This was a lot more fuckery throughout this whole night than I expected going into this. Um, mm -hmm. And I, it was very fun. Lots of extremeness. It wasn't ultraviolet, obviously, because there's no light tubes and stuff. But I think to get extreme and as ultraviolet as possible without light tubes, this was definitely the show that showcased how how uh, extreme that GCW could be. And I, I just wonder how it's taboo, like if he just had a smile on his face watching everything. Like, yep, I remember I used to do that spot. And I remember when I cut my tricep to the muscle on these bar oh, like, shit. I can just imagine the stories and what was going through Sabu's head watching this show throughout the night. Uh, that'd be a fun interview to catch him and get his thoughts on the show. So after the match is over, you kind of notice that a lot of people are pouring out of the uh, entrance area there. So what's going on is that everyone is coming out with a birthday cake for Jimmy. And everybody in the crowd, all the talent, sing happy birthday to Jimmy. Then they slam the cake in his face. And it sticks on his head in one piece. If uh, anybody ever remembers the wrestler Daphne, she always used to have a little hat on her head. That's what the cake looked like on uh, Jimmy's head. So Lloyd goes ahead and grabs it off his head. And just as Rob shit is about to jump on Jimmy, Jimmy turns around and takes that cake and shoves it all over Rob's chest and face. Um, Rob eventually falls down. He's kind of laughing, laying down on the ground. And Jimmy literally eats cake off of Rob's chest. It was it was a fun time. Everybody was having a blast, and that's how we ended our show for the night. And it, it was fun. I 
I left with a giant smile on my face. As you, if you can watch that show, like I said, I got the shit-eating grin on my face all night long. Uh, this was way more entertaining than I expected. I expected a fun, fun and like, as you said, laid back and just kind of chill night. And then I thought I was going to get serious in L.A. and kind of save the big stuff for L.A. But holy shit, <laughs> was I wrong? And that go, yeah. that's on me again for once again, just looking at the venue, looking at the card and thinking, oh, okay, this one, they're kind of mailing it in and just kind of doing a fun show somewhere. Like, nope, the GCW just goes crazy each and every time. Uh, and I that what's what that's what makes me a fan. And I loved it. And I left this this car smiling like I had a smile on my face and I was driving to L.A. just thinking about how crazy L.A. was going to get after Vegas. And of course, I thought they would try to one up Vegas night. And I think they tried, but uh, I don't think they were quite as successful as they wish they would be. And that will lead us into our memorable moments of the evening. I will let you kind of go first because I know we have a lot and the most of ours are pretty much very similar of uh, what happened throughout this night. Okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this is probably our most memorable moment. That's just having a chance to talk to Brett Lauderdale, introducing ourselves, shaking his hand, um, talking to him a little bit about us, what we do, where we're trying to go, him telling us we did a great job and to keep going, thanking us um, for what we do, us thanking him for telling the Patreon members to all check us out. Uh, we thanked him for bringing the circus to Las Vegas. That's That's the short, concise version. That was literally my moment. My chair could have broken. The show could have been shit. I could have ripped my pants and my balls could have fallen out the bottom and it could have been on national TV. I still would have been happy that the podcast um, was receiving flying colors from not only the owner, but the talent and quite a few of the listeners in the crowd. Oh, God, that was that was a lot of it. Um, Seeing familiar faces and saying hello and saying hello and thank you to a lot of new faces. Uh, seeing Los Macisos, Commander, and Ares, those were really the ones that I hadn't met before. Most of the other ones I'd known or met before, a couple of them talked the night before. But um, again, much respect to the Lucha Stars. I'll say it again. It is not easy coming to a country that does not accommodate your language fully. All of them were very kind and sincere, and every single one of them was thankful for what we do. So. I would say the same thing back. We are very thankful as fans for what they do also. And in podcasting, we're very thankful that they try to listen to us as much as possible. So we appreciate that. Las Vegas was small and intimate. It felt like it too. The fans were laid back. The wrestlers were more relaxed. Part of my memorable moment. It is also the fact that after this show, everybody just kind of poured into the arena and we all just had a chance to talk, take pictures, there was no pushing. There was no, it was just chill. Um, the East West and versus the commander Ares opening match was fantastic. I liked the intoxication match, the uh, brutal coffin match. Jay, uh, Jay Vittle in the fucking house. Jesus. Speedball and Miedo being my match of the night. Both members of Los Macisos showing how deadly they are in singles competition and also how important they are to GCW. And that final match with the barbed wire, I don't think I'm going to forget anytime soon. Effie scraping down the side and that wound opening up as the match went on. Um, yeah, I'll just close it again. It was nice seeing everyone, including listeners and talent. Met some new people, happy as can be. Lots of handshakes and love. Total love from everyone. And I 
have total love back. We were all so happy. Everybody was just so freaking nice. Yeah, um, a lot of my members both same thing. Like meeting, uh, yeah. finally getting to talk to Brett and some of these other wrestlers that I never talked to, and just seeing how like some of them have listened or have heard of it and told us like, we've done a great job was awesome. Um, just kind of hanging out and talking to a lot more talent than, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, more than normal was very fun for me and got to get a little bit more personable um, with some of these wrestlers as well. Um, the action for me the whole night was incredible, way more than I thought we we were getting that we paid for. And Medio versus Speedball was absolutely uh, a home run hitter, and I loved every piece of that match. And Ciclope versus Justice paying tribute to Sabu and ECW with the casket match was awesome as well. And just overall, great Vegas show. I know it wasn't the biggest crowd, but also the venue is not the biggest as well. I just hope we get GCW back and maybe get a little bigger show, a little bigger venue next time. Um, kind of like how we did last Memorial Day as uh, when they came out for that weekend. Um, but they filled it. They filled it, though. I will say that much for sure. Yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, that do- this doesn't discourage them from coming back to Vegas uh, in a hopefully recent future, because I definitely think Vegas has earned it and we showed up and they definitely put on a better show tonight than like i said i was expecting a fun and entertaining laid-back birthday show i got more ultra violence than i could ask for um one little thing here i I looked it up real fast just to see you want to know when the last time jimmy lloyd has won a gcw one-on-one match oh no not counting settlement series i'm not counting the settlement series okay March 24, 2022. It's been almost a year since Jimmy Lloyd mm. has won a one-on-one match in GCW, not counting the collective. Well, I hope someone's listening because that might be a fun little storyline right there. That I, We've kind of talked about it, how he's never won. And like people online are saying, hey, or on the Patreon, like, when's Jimmy going to win? Like, ask him. He's the one losing all the time. So I think they could kind of do a little Barry Horowitz kind of story with him of the lovable loser. Oh, yeah. When you finally get the big win, and how it would be a nice little pop. And I think he's absolutely deserved it, too. I really enjoyed his uh, work when he was mostly the deathmatch wrestler because he was putting on some crazy ultraviolet matches then, too. And I think he could have a nice little short run as an ultraviolet champion to have a couple fun oh, matches for sure. and some dream opponents of his. And I think it would be crazy uh, outcomes as well with these matches. But... Another fun way to end off GCW Las Vegas, Jimmy Lloyd's all grown up. Jimmy Lloyd's 25th birthday. Um, Yeah, I just enjoyed it. It was was very fun. And like I said, it was more social than I'm used to. And I think I need to start being more social at these events instead of just kind of getting my shit. But I'm also always retired. But this one, I had an extra like giddy up even after work. I was was really excited for what this weekend was about to prepare for us. Especially now with the podcast, too. This is the first time that GCW has been in Vegas since we started the podcast. And yeah, um, I've only been to one or two other L.A. shows since we started the podcast, too. So uh, it's, it's a little different feeling that we do the podcast. And now some of us, some of the wrestlers kind of know who we are and we're not complete strangers. And that was a nice feeling to go because everyone was super nice. And the next night I, we bring our son to the show and I will talk about that. I'll talk about that a lot because... Uh, I've never seen such a spoiled child with a complete stranger other than GCW wrestlers. There's that fantastic picture where him and Nick Wayne are standing together in a puddle of dried blood. 
<laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> that was caused by Jordan. Picture. If uh, <laughs> we kind of wrap it all together, that's the blood that Jordan kind of caused on Mance Warner. Wow. But yeah, very good way to start the West Coast weekend from GCW um, and VXS of all. Like, I know we kind of stopped talking about VXS, but uh, they kind of stopped doing the production that we were excited for after match one. They did a couple video packages here and there, but um, I just very really, well done, too. Yeah, I just wish it was we would have got a lot more than what was kind of teased. It teased us for one match and then after that it went away. So hopefully uh, they could sort out whatever issue there was to not have the rest of the stuff for the rest of the night. But I very much enjoyed what was about to be a very uh, good night for VXS production. And I just hope that they'll get another chance and opportunity to do uh, another collaboration with GCW. Cause I think they could help out not saying that GCW needs a lot of help. But I just think that's how good Isaac is at VXS where it doesn't matter how good you are. I think if he gets his hands on it, he can make the product and presentation look a lot better in my opinion than what's kind of currently being presented to us, which like I said, is not bad, but like I always tell the kids, there's always room for improvement, no matter what you're looking at in life. And I think that's absolutely one thing that I think I want to see for free access. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel good, man. We did it. Yes. Yeah, so next episode, episode 49, we will be covering GCW's middle of the night in Los Angeles. And once again, we both were there uh, and both had different seats. So we kind of got different vantage points and probably yeah. different stories we could talk about. Yeah, um, of what happened that night because there was a lot going on at VXS or VXS GCW uh, in Los Angeles the next night. Oh, oh, do I have stories for that <laughs> next episode? I know that, that one might be a longer. That might be our back to our normal size of podcast. <laughs> yeah, what are we at right now? Hour forty five or so? Roughly? Two hours. So the last couple podcasts have been just a little over two hours, and uh, I think uh, Stephen A probably is a little, very happy for that if he still listens to the show because he doesn't have to listen to. Uh, well, he still has to listen to me repeat myself over and over again, but at least he That's won't have okay. to do it for four hours and, or he, he could do it for two hours instead of four hours this time. Yeah, that's good then. Um, yeah, it's also good for people. They have something to listen. Yeah. Um, dead time is coming up. There's not a lot of wrestling here soon. So we're going to try to make sure we space these just a touch so that, um, we have things to listen to and keep ourselves entertained until the next GCW show. Yeah, I think the fans entertaining fans. <laughs> I think the next episode that we're going to put out will be uh, next week as well, right before the New York shows. I think those are the next ones that are coming up from GCW. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. So let's send them out like how we always do. About this time. Yes, with a long. long... No, fuck it. Oh, God damn, we we're on sync and everything. Okay, 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 okay here we go. Okay, let's try Three, one, two, three, go. Long. Oh, shit. No, it's this long. <laughs> go shit. I didn't. I heard one. Two. You said three. You didn't say three. Go. Long. Okay. Okay, we're playing long. <laughs> live. G C W W. Baby.